Obsessed cops. You two make me sick. Core dangerous women. You got two seconds. Is that gonna be enough time? Powerful politicians. I extend my deepest thanks. He said extend. None of them stands a chance. I am colonial! Uh, We're gonna die! Beavis and Butthead do America. The movie. Ready to PG 13. Friday, December 20th, only in theaters. Inconceivable! In a world where the laughter was king, on the edge of space. Get together, have a few laughs. Astros of the universe! <sighs> uh, hey, how's it going? <laughs> this is pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, you're listening to the, uh, uh, some stupid show or whatever. Hey, <laughs> hey. Hey, 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 here, here's a couple of dill holes. You two kids out there in my cool shit. <laughs> Welcome everybody back to the show. Welcome back to the Cinemasters of the Universe podcast. I am one of your hosts, the host to the left, the rental king, Ron Avis. And uh, joining me as always is that little fella who's uh, always getting caught whacking off in... Tom Anderson's pool <laughs> tool shed, <laughs> my co-host of the North. That'd be me, Adam Peterson, and I know some things. You know some things. That, of course, means we're going to be talking about a movie, and if you couldn't tell from my miserable butthead list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, no, we're going to be talking about Beavis and Butthead Do America from 1996, if you couldn't tell from my really terrible Butthead impersonation. Uh, I, it, to me, it seems like everybody thinks they can do a pretty good Beavis and Butthead. You know, I, I, I think but Beavis we're is... better than them. Yeah, like, <laughs> but I, I know, I feel like I can do it decently, but then I go and do it. And I'm like, <laughs> do it. But it's, it's just not very good. And uh, now I, I, I almost kind of regret doing that. I don't. Not even for a second. <laughs> that's, how, that's how we like to start a show is with deep regret. But Beavis and Butthead Do America is a movie that I'm going to be honest with everybody out there with their listening in, with their ears on, ready to talk about maybe their favorite movie in the whole wide world. Uh, maybe a movie they hate so bad they just would like it to hear us tear tear a, a new one into a movie that you know we didn't like, so they could kind of commiserate in that. But I mean, we we that's not typically our style. So if you've been listening for that up uh, this many episodes, you're probably you could probably stop by now. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, as negative as we get is you hate Henry Thomas. Oh and, yeah, well, and I I find Sandra Bullock genuinely. An, an unpleasant person to watch on screen, <laughs> but I, which is fair, I, yeah. Fair. But th- this episode is going to be uh, for week four of our four-week series of movies in April, uh, aka our favorite fools and movies. And what what better movie to cap off 
a month of fools than Beavis and Butthead. I mean, none other than the biggest fools of all the fools. <laughs> and you think all time, but for, for sure the 90s, they were just like the kings and the prince and king of, of foolishness. They were. So, yeah, let's talk about Beavis and Butthead to America. It uh, We're going to be talking a lot about just those characters and the main person who is behind Beavis and Butthead, Mike, Mike Judge. Mike Judge. I don't know Mike how many is. I don't know how many times we're going to really get a chance to talk about just Mike Judge and his contributions to you know pop the culture world. and the world and and nerds in general people who communicate via memes, you know, just like a dude that's who's responsible for whether you realize it or not. Just just about all like everything is informed like from him in workplace comedies. I mean, The Office is right there with it. But I mean, I would I would say Mike Judge is for sure like the '90s version of what happens in an office. Oh yeah, you know, complete uh, just you know just nonsense. But uh, and of course, I'm talking about Office Space. <laughs> yeah, Mike Mike Judge was like the poor man's uh, uh, Scott Adams who did Dilbert. So like Dilbert was kind of oh like yeah the, the highbrow engineering, you know that that kind of office setting. And uh, Mike Judge really like, all right, I'll, I'll let him take the high road. I'm going to take the low road. Yeah. And we'll meet in the middle. Yeah. Meet right in the middle. Um, but, I, I mean, Mike Judge is for sure, when you think about, you know, pop culture in the 90s and now, he, he is right up there on that Mount Rushmore of uh, Fox animation. Oh, yeah. I mean, you think about <clears throat> Matt Groening for The Simpsons. Who's yes. been put producing shows since the inception of basically Fox? Yeah, uh, he's not left the, their airwaves. Uh, but then you had um, coming in in the '90s, uh, Mike Judge with uh, King of the Hill. Uh, it was just you know went on for like 14, 15 seasons. We can talk about that more later. But I mean, and there then of course there was overlay with Seth MacFarlane, who still is on Fox airwaves. <laughs> So, like, the influence Still, of one of those three guys has been for the entire lifespan of a of a of a broadcasting network. I mean, think about that. That's really crazy. I think. I mean, animation wise, the only. I mean, the only other game that could even hold a candle to like the Fox animation would probably be Trey Parker and Matt Stone with mm. South Park. And I mean that's that still doesn't have the, the legs that I mean they're in their twenty fourth season and Simpsons in their thirty second so they I mean Simpsons still has eight years on on South Park, um, but that's the only comparable game out there. You think they to, could catch them just in terms of seasons? Because <clears throat> the Simpsons is winding down. I feel like I ever since Hank Azaria left the show, and they they just kind of cut. It was, it was Hank Azaria, right? He was the yeah. one. Yeah, he, I think he's, I think he's still on the show, but he. Who am like, I thinking all, of? The guy, one of the guys, one of the main uh, three cast was it members. Harry, did Harry Shearer leave? May, maybe it was Harry Shearer. I, did, did, he does I Mr. Remember. Burns, I guess. I mean, no, 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 no. Mr. Burns is still. No. The maybe, guy who left the Hank show Azaria. did. I think he did. Uh, Mo. I, I mean, he he did a well, lot of main Azaria, characters. Though. Yeah, that's Hank Azaria. I don't know. I. Point is, <laughs> what is my point? I have no idea. Mm. Need a little drinky. Beavis and Butthead Do America came out like they're 
I know I was talking about, you know, a bunch of guys that I mean, Mike Judge is the common thread, of course, but Beavis and Bud came out in 1996 in December, December 20th, 1996. That's really on the tail end of Beavis and Butthead mania. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> technically, this show was on after 2000. Uh, well, I think, it, I think it ran until like 2011 or well, there, there was a reboot. Of there the was, show. there were, a, I think a couple reboots. Yeah. When I was looking into it. Yeah, but the, but the show, I think, began in 93 and ran in 97. That was, like, the run that everyone's like uh, likes and appreciates. Uh, I haven't seen any of the newer ones, but I've, I've no. heard that they're not nearly as entertaining. Uh, they don't hold up as well or something. Uh, they don't, I'm not even sure they, like, list, like, watch music videos anymore. I think they just comment on MTV shows that were on during that time. That, well, and that's I mean, that's kind of I mean, because Beavis I, I'll, and I'll be honest, this is the first time I ever watched this movie when I watched it in preparation for this. Are you serious? Yes, oh wow, that's very that's, that's <clears throat> exciting. Actually, I'm uh, go ahead. <laughs> well, because <laughs> I'm taking um, it you're not really a fan of Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> well, no, what it was was Beavis and Butthead came out in 1993, and I was 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I remember here and there, like, sneaking to try and watch it. But it was one of those like this. It was one of those shows like I wasn't allowed to watch. And okay, that makes so sense. It, it was one of those like it was just kind of just out of reach to where I mean I, I remember catching episodes here and like it wasn't like I was completely unfamiliar with the characters, but it was one of those like I, I mean like if you ask like oh do you remember this episode I'd be like oh yeah. I remember I remember the the squirrely teacher that they had that was in like the hippie and I remember yeah. the, Tom as their their neighbor. I mean, I remember a hand uh, and the principal, um, a handful of things. And then it was because I didn't have like when Beavis and Butthead Do America came out. Like, mm. It was it was one of those things like I didn't have that. that There's no fandom it. there already yeah, built. So I didn't in. Have that. And and on top of that, when it came out in 96, I was 13. And right. so it was it was still it was one of those things. It was still like, OK, if I'm going to the movies my mom has to take me to the movies because I'm 13. I live in a small town in Minnesota, and so yeah, <clears throat> I was yeah, like, yeah. "All right, there's no, there's no, there's no getting around this one." Imagine it's like really easy for like young, like teens of this day and age, where like if you're oh, just familiar, goodness. you could just get on like a BitTorrent and download the movie and watch it without anyone be the wiser. Oh yeah, I, that, it's it's one of like I you know I'm not gonna get on a soapbox, but it's one of those like when I if thinking we we both have relatively young kids. Yeah, it's one of those like when like I, I wrestle with when the time does eventually come. You know, it's not gonna be next week, but like when the time comes, like okay, I have to get you a cell phone. Yeah, like, yeah, that 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 conversation's being pushed and forced by my kid right my oldest yeah. right now. And so it's one of those like I get that your peers all have them. But it's one of those like, you know, I'm I'm in a I think I may have mentioned it before. I'm in a geek dads group on Facebook. Yeah, and there's there's guys on there. I mean, like, you know, far and away beyond whatever technical skills I clearly don't have that do you know that are in it for a living. They're like guys. I can't. I mean, I try and try and try to stay on top of my kid's phone, and like I do this or I put this software on there. I you know put these passwords are restricted to this right and he goes to school and somebody unlocks it for him and he comes home the next day and is like what the hell and so it's like it's one of those things where it is it's like the the access that kids have to technology today would get around 
any kind of like, here's my rules as dad. And we're like, yeah, whatever. I can do whatever <laughs> I want. You gave me a supercomputer. Right. Once they get online, man. Uh, but I did find it interesting that it did take them right until basically. And, and The Simpsons is similar. Like, by the time their movie came out, they were well past their prime. Yeah. It, it was. They missed their mark. Oh, yeah. By a decade. I mean. Yeah. I can't. I think that what did that movie come out around like two thousand seven or something? Yeah, it was. It was like mid to late two thousands. Like, yeah, and, and by then I was only barely like I was watching Treehouse of Horror, and that's it. You know, like I yeah. wasn't really watching anything else um, because I mean there there wasn't. I didn't know a bigger Simpsons fan than me from the beginning until probably around you know season nine or ten. I started losing steam, and I would check in from time to time, but. You know, now I know, I know there's way more Simpsons I haven't seen than I yeah. have seen. Way more Simpsons. And every I've now and then they'll talk about, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just I, like, I've caught up on a lot since it's on Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's really easy to just kind of put on and like, you know, I can pay attention and some of it's entertaining or I can just let it go and, you know, be playing on my phone and it's just kind of like white noise or like, oh, <laughs> that was kind of funny. Yeah, white noise is a good way to describe, yeah. you know. A series like that you're so familiar with it you're kind of on autopilot as a viewer you yeah. know um like homer's gonna do something really crazy and it doesn't it's not gonna make any sense and then the kids are gonna have some sort of second like b story it's you know, oh, a moral dilemma for moral children. dilemma like lisa's definitely gonna have s- some sort of moral dilemma and then bart on the other hand is gonna you know Try and grow a conscience and <laughs> do something rambunctious and, <laughs> yeah, and <definitely>. spirited. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know like that—that—that's the funny thing. There's just so much content, so much. Uh, <clears throat> but this this movie was a—it was a twelve million dollar budget, which is so small, even in I feel yeah. like by late mid nineties standards. You know, like they were. In 96, you're still in the peak of Disney animation renaissance, I feel like. You still have yeah. a couple movies yet to come out. Um, those budgets are astronomical by comparison. Hell, even Toy Story came out a year before this movie came out. Yeah. And is just revolutionized animation. And it's, I, I don't know why... I don't know what perspective I had in my head, but it was like it just seems funny to me that animated movies are less expensive than live action movies. I don't know why that is, but it's like I mean, like thinking about you know, in talking about um, like because Tom, I mean, Tommy Boy was a twenty million dollar movie. Mm-hmm. They spent eight million dollars more to make Tommy Boy than they did Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, that's like, true. Eight million dollars more I mean- to make. Honestly, Beavis and Butthead do America. Like, I think all the money is in getting Bruce Willis and Timmy Moore. Yeah. And licensing some songs. Like, because yeah. the, it's not, it, there are definitely high, like, high marks, high standards. Or, like, there's a high point in this animation in the movie than there was on the TV show in the early yeah. mid 90s. Uh, but it still looks really bad. <laughs> like, it's not good animation. So, even their, like, best, version of the show uh you know a lot of times you'd have like a show you liked watching on tv and then there'd be like a big movie version of it like you know like there's a ducktales series and yeah they made a in 90 91 or whatever they made like a movie and all the animations yes. like shaded now and it was just, yeah there was a definite transition from the show to the movie 
yeah, this not so much. Like, I don't know, like no. there's really nothing. Uh, only only 81 minutes long, and uh, to be honest, I, I have seen this movie plenty of times. Not not a, not in a long time, but uh, 81 minutes felt like two hours to me. Like it was really, <laughs> it kind of grated on me for a while. Like it was great with the nostalgia. It did gross 63 million dollars, which is incredible. That's I mean, phew. one when you. Th- 12 million into 63? Yeah. Not bad for a couple idiots no, not traversing too. the country. Mainly one idiot. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, as far as the plot of the movie goes, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, 63 million, and it had a 21, uh, or a 20, yeah, just over $20 million opening weekend gross, uh, which at the time was the highest for a December opening day weekend. Uh, that, it was it was huge. And It uh, has that, since been uh, replaced by Star Wars. But uh, yeah, well, it's been, well, it's since been replaced by Titanic and all kinds of crazy <clears throat> shit now. Like, I think Scream Two like knocked it off, and then Titanic knocked it well, off. Well, Scream Two—that's because everybody loves Liev Schreiber. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, and Titanic I don't know in mid '90s, Nev Campbell was was pretty yeah. uh, not bad. Titanic pretty, pretty is just not a bad. movie about a boat. <laughs> yeah, that thing. I mean, for my money, if you're gonna watch Titanic, go ahead and watch Speed Two. At least you get Sandra Bullock. But even though this movie looks really bad and it's coming in at the tail end of Beavis and Butthead Mania, uh, for some reason, critics didn't hate this movie. Critics loved this movie. In fact, critics, for the large part, enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Rotten Tomatoes has uh, an average score of 72. Well, not an average score. That's just their their tomato. It's 72, which is fresh, certified fresh. Uh, and then Metacritic has a an a, like an average of sixty four, which you know is is way better than you would assume a movie oh, like yeah. this would would have. And uh, you know how I like to do? I like to pull out my uh, my what, what was Roger Ebert thinking? And yeah. uh, do do you want to do you want to take a guess what he if he liked <clears throat> it or didn't? Oh, I know, I know what he thought about it. Okay, okay. Well, for the I listeners, already know because I'm already upset about it. <laughs> for the listeners, he gave it a three-star rating. And not only did he like it, Siskel liked it enough to also recommend it. So it got two thumbs up. This is what he had to say. But I, I do, I do kind of like agree with what he's saying to, a, to an extent. So one of, the, one of the quotes I pulled was, the real subject of the film is attitude because Beavis and Butthead are about attitude. What actually happens is of little importance since Beavis and Butthead are so stupid and sublimely self-absorbed that the exterior world has little reality except as an annoyance or a distraction. Three fucking stars. So here's, here's my question to you, Adam. What, why is, does he give this movie a pass but not Tommy Boy or The Jerk yeah, or uh, that's none that's of my those point movies of got a pass from from Ebert. Like he my shat point on con- all those. I'm like, you gave the jerk, written by Steve Martin and directed by Carl Reiner, two iconic uh, comedians of I mean of all of history. Mm-hmm. In 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 their prime, you gave their opus <laughs> two stars. Yeah, and then you come out. And you watch Beavis and Butthead all 81 minutes of its glory. <laughs> and you're like, oh, this pile this shit on. Where, where can I get more of this? It's like, uh, really? 
because now, in my estimation, your opinion, Roger Ebert, is horseshit. <laughs> I'm not saying he. I always agree with what he has to say. I, he definitely got it wrong and turned around because they're really doing about the same thing. There's there's complexity and absurdity, and yeah. it's just. I mean, you chose to like look at this movie as satire, and and it is good satire. And and it is sometimes just fun to watch a couple of idiots, you know, be morons. You know. Like, oh yeah, I mean that's I that's that's what we've been celebrating the entire month. <laughs> we're all about idiots running around doing stupid stuff, mostly <laughs> because I know I'm an idiot running around doing stupid stuff, and I like to see other people do it too. That's that's our new slogan: a couple of idiots being morons. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it, it, it is really hilarious that they just are, you know, he, he in particular was, is just fine with it. Because in an era in the 90s, anything else like this was getting smacked down. Oh, yeah. As, you know, is sophomoric, uh, just dumb, infantile, crude, crass, whatever. Like, I mean, it, as, as for the much of the 90s bread and butter was irreverence it was just as strong going the other way as far as like the conservative way people reacted to video games and movies and tv shows and yeah just, i can never think it has certainly calmed down i don't i'm not saying it's gone away but it seems to have certainly calmed down and part of that might just be due to you know first amendment rights are just too strong like you know you you can you you can kind of just sit behind that always and well, you know it's it's you got to respect it and these these two these two characters um came under a decent amount of scrutiny a, a few times yeah um uh, between the show and the movie just for uh, uh, that whole mid 90s i mean kind of the <clears throat> kind of the whole i mean uh, along with uh, when i think of the theme of uh, um south park the south park movie you know the blame canada song it's like you know th- these parents are like okay um if you don't want, you know, like, oh, you know, our kids are watching these horrible shows. I mean, because Terrence and Philip, which is the premise of the South Park movie, not that far off from a Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. Um, and the kids are all entertained by the stupid things they do. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. the kids start acting up. It's like, no, that's, you know, if you're going to come out here and you're going to blame this entertainment, then don't let your kids watch it. Right. Don't let your kids be party to it. Well, they're going to, anyways, like, it's not on Mike Judge's. It's not his responsibility to make sure your kids don't do something stupid. Right. Yeah, and there there were, uh, you know, some kids, like some kid killed a cat or hurt a cat really bad because there was a joke about it on one of the shows. So they, I think that's when they started doing the crawl, like the little pre-crawl warning yeah. uh, at the beginning. Like they, that was sort of like what they promised to do to just like, hey, if you're a moron, just know that this is not real and we're not saying these are characters they are well i think i think even in that i want to say in that instance because they tried to blame it and i feel like the kid had never even actually seen the show and oh was okay kids, so you're familiar were, with well, this what i'm talking kids about were, cause, yeah, kids were starting fires and because that was the whole like would be was like, fire fire yeah, fire yeah, yeah, yeah. right like right. that was the whole thing like okay he's like no I'm sorry, like, that's one of those things from the mid-90s that I'm happy to let fall away. Because, like, that was, oh, video games and TV Yeah, everything was, like, like, Mortal Kombat and Ren and Stimpy and Bart Simpson and Beavis and Butthead's fault. You know, nobody wanted to take responsibility for their own 
like I guess neglect to their children. If you're just so disconnected, your child is so disconnected from a responsible parent or adult that they just can't even tell the difference between reality and, and fiction anymore. Like, I mean, these are just a couple of ugly drawn characters, badly animated. <laughs> like, you're not supposed to do this. Yeah, and that's that's when every that's when everybody's kids started being special. And oh, Tommy's special, Billy's special, Sarah's mm. special. Like, no, they're just regular kids doing stupid shit like the rest of us. And, I was and, like, I, and you making them think that they are is giving them some sort of out where they can go set stuff on fire and then blame it on a cartoon. Right. No, Beavis and Butthead didn't make your kids. Yeah, kids set fire. are your stupid. Kids I mean, I, I really like I, I went on I went down a rabbit hole of Mike Judge interviews on the various uh, talk shows of the day. Yeah. And uh, one thing that came out was um, Mike Judge went before like I, I think the show was coming under fire. Uh, and you know, like, like the, these kids are are not realistic. They're poor example. Like they're they're not like not not necessarily like role models, but you know, like like look at the Cosby Show. You know, those kids are all well adjusted and have you know they're going to be doctors and lawyers someday. You're like, oh, by the way, that's bullshit because most kids that Mike Judge grew up around, and I certainly had my fair share of people. I was one of them. You know. <laughs> Just you did stupid stuff, and I don't yeah. want to be like one of those soapbox guys yelling at clouds. But you know, kids in the eighties and nineties had a lot of free time on their hands. Yeah, there was, was the not the nearly the kid. amount of things to do in the house. You know, you you watch a couple of shows, and then like for hours on end, there's just nothing to do. Like you you can't get online, you can't get like have access to a million video games. You know, you can't just pull up four networks of uh, archival video, like movies and shows. So you you can never watch it all in a million lifetimes. And uh, but, you know, back then you just you just kind of got into stuff. You just did dumb things like sometimes setting uh, like I I guess sticking an M80 up a frog's butt was just more appealing than sitting at home. And uh, watching Happy Days reruns, I don't know whatever was on, Not, nothing well, against Happy I mean, Days. That well, that was I mean that was I mean summertime when everything was in reruns. Yeah, I was like you had and you had nothing but nothing but time to kill. It's like right. you weren't going to sit inside and watch TV all day because none of it was good. And you'd already seen it, and and so I was like, okay, if it was nice out, you were outside with your friends. Yeah. And, you know, you had, I mean, you had hours and hours and hours to fill up. And we, I mean, we did all kinds of stuff. We ran around in the woods. We just, we roamed the neighborhoods. There was nothing to do. That, and, and that was the thing is like, that was the beauty of the eighties and nineties. Like, that's what you could do. And the thing was like, what would happen is you'd come across somebody like, I I mean, I remember it was like, uh, when, when it was on TV and that came out in 1990. So I was seven. My (laughs) sister to this day blames me says i was the one that turned it on and i was not i know that i was not because mm. i remember i, I feel remember like we like, need to call her up so we need to settle this right now yeah I was like, <laughs> oh let's get this straight but uh too it, long like, have you been carrying this this fucking I was cross seven. i mean like i i had i had no say in this it was it was a it was a mini series on it was a sunday monday night yeah it was like it would have been well after we were in bed, right? Or should have been in bed. Yeah, so it's what not like I'm sitting there like I'm controlling the TV. It's like here, you got to watch this, Kate. Sunday and Monday night, really? 
No, because I remember I desperately wanted to know what happened. And there was a kid. I remember the kid in, I don't remember, his, I feel like his name was Shane. I feel like his name was Shane who had watched it. I was like, what What happened? And he's describing everything to me. He's like, this sounds, this doesn't even sound, it sounds so weird. Yeah. And But it's like, there like when you would get these things that were intriguing because they were taboo or they were off limits or they were they were yeah. for older kids like Beavis right. and Butthead was for teenagers so being yeah. 10 years old it's like oh there's intrigue around it that's why it's like you want to go you want to try and catch it because oh this is this is not for me it's designated yeah. for somebody else it's for older kids what are the older yeah, kids doing and it was like you know you you had um Beavis and Butthead and so, like, to me, in my head, it goes like Ren and Stimpy and Beavis and Butthead yep. ruled the early 90s to mid 90s. And, you know, there was some overlap from there to, like, South Park. Yep. Um, but, I mean, the these were the shows that me and my friends talked about, you know. It wasn't anything else. I mean, like, occasionally you'd get you talk about a living color sketch or something that made you laugh or, yeah. you know, something that happened on The Simpsons, like, most likely. But these were, those were, like, the shows that just, you. I mean, I, it boils down to, like, what? It's just your parents. You know your parents are going to hate it? Just, like, yeah. parents just understand, as Will, Big Willie would say. Big Willie style. Well, if had I known or really thought about it, I mean, I, I know when you were born, I guess I should have known better. I, maybe I wouldn't have picked this movie and planned to lean in so heavily on Beavis and Butthead nostalgia. <laughs> <clears throat> well, no, it, I mean, it, it works because uh, there's now we have two very different perspectives. We have somebody who has, you, you have the nostalgia, you have the memories you, and yeah. it means of the different. And then there's me coming in for the, uh, like uh, I I've had every opportunity. I mean, I'm 38 years old now. It's like, it's not like, you know, since 1996, it's like it's still been off limits. Like the ban just lifted last <laughs> week, Ooh, just in time for me to watch. watch Better not let my mom catch my adult, mom. very adult, 38 year old. Are you watching Beavis and Butthead? Oh <laughs> uh, no, it's no, PBS. Mom. Right. This is uh, I'm watching Sesame old, Street. I'm watching Sesame Street. There's the reruns of uh, of Reading Rainbow. That's just Lavar Burton. He's got a stutter and a cough. <laughs> He just can't. He just he's really like amused all Some the time. Some sort of sinusy congestion. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Well, I, I was a sophomore in high school when Beavis and Butthead came out, and I was a tad bit aware of what Beavis and Butthead was kind of about initially, because uh, I, I did watch um, Liquid Television on MTV, which yes. was a pretty cool um, like show of vignettes, just very adult uh oriented animation which was very pretty novel to me yeah at, at the time you know like there there was a there was such a thing as anime that was out there you know akira or you know whatever just like really adult things that were you know like it was cartoons not meant for kids more or yeah. less uh, so like I, you know, you're watching liquid television and uh, I don't know. Are you familiar with it? Like Eon Flux. And, oh yeah. Eon Flux. Right. Okay. Uh, they have the big giant head. Yes. Um, yes. So there, the, there were, the there were some there? recurring re, like, you know, cartoons, but Beavis and Butthead yeah. had the frog baseball sketch, which, yes, you know, it, it's just, it's one of those things where you, you're watching it and as a kid, you're just an idiot. And just anything goes, you'll just laugh at anything if, 
as long as what you're watching, like, they seem to find it amusing too. But, you know, you go back and you think about something like Frog Baseball, which is just a couple of really disturbed-looking kids throwing a live frog like a baseball and then the other kids trying to hit it and just decimating these frogs. Yes. Like, it's really sick. But, you know, to me, who was probably, like, you know, freshman, maybe even eighth grade, who knows? I think that came out around 92, and I guess, well, yeah, that was really just about a year later, I guess, because somebody got their own series. Um, But it was just, I feel like it was just that one little cartoon they had in the whole entire run, and it just took off from there. But you, you did. You got, like, an idea. Like, here's just a couple of um, everyday, I guess, teenagers. And I, I do. I, I like to go back to Mike Judge and his sort of feel for, like, what teens really were uh, in in America. You know, like, they, they were kind of stupid, and they would do dumb stuff and say words they shouldn't and just sit around and watch TV and comment on. Like, that. that's just to him, like, what teens really were. Um, so he, even though that wasn't a really exaggerated, egregious display in, in, uh, frog baseball, like it, it was still appealing. There was something just, I couldn't like believe I was watching. It's like watching a car wreck unfold. you know, well, like, I shouldn't be watching this with such interest. <laughs> the, well, the, the thing was, I mean, when you think about <clears throat> what, what was accessible primarily in the world of animation was all really tame. And yeah. when you think about animation, it's like the whole point of animation is you could do whatever you want. It's animated. Right. It's like it's it, the possibilities are endless as long as you can draw it, as long as you can come up with it, you could do anything. And so you have this emerging idea of, well, mostly, I mean, cartoons are traditionally for kids, mm-hmm. but what if they weren't? What if yeah. we took animation and we said. But there's, it shouldn't, like, I don't know why we assume that, you know, like. Yeah. Even even cartoons for adult humor is not a brand new thing. I mean, like you look no. at like Felix the Cat and yeah, you know any of that kind of stuff. It's it's very definitely not for little kids. Yeah, and Roger Rabbit kind of gave us a taste of that, uh, like adult animation, like m- put them together. Like, oh, this is there's this is kind of a, th- a scary thing in parts. You know, it's definitely yeah, not they s- meant. Towards towards the end of the eighties, I mean, you really they really started pushing the bounds of. There was well, heavy metal, which was yeah. very uh, upsetting. Like, there's just like an upsetting aesthetic throughout that movie. Yes, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like, it's awesome, but it's also upsetting. So you know, well, I had seen things like that. It's and like when when you think about because I mean, even some of what it was tied to. Um, and, and even in the in the movie, when there was uh, the uh, the scene in in the desert, where you had um, the uh, the uh, Rob Zombie, mm-hmm. uh, that whole that whole part of the movie where you had yeah. the Rob Zombie art, I really I really music. thought that stood out. Yeah, that and part it, of the movie. I think I think that because it's not like I mean it's not like heavy metal was new or you know that kind of music was new in the nineties, mm-hmm. but there was there was you know it was one of those things like okay how do we take you know how how it was kind of how the nineties made uh, made their mark they said okay well let, let's do this let's yeah I mean let's let's do we're always going to push the envelope yeah 
And, you know, they pushed it, and then that was shocking. And then South Park just went and, like, poured gasoline on it. Yeah. With the concept of swearing children, you know? Yeah. It took a while for that to not seem like a crazy thing, you know? Now now they just talk about it, and it's just, like, adults talking in an average, typical conversation. And it just, the language gets a little spicy, but that's okay. I just it doesn't shock yeah. me anymore. Oh, and it's it's funny because like um, I uh, wasn't too long ago. I watched the uh, Six Days to Air, which is the I think oh I that's an awesome MTV, documentary. Or, no, was it was it it was either MTV or Comedy Central did did the documentary? Uh, I, I think you can find it on HBO Max or yeah, it's Netflix. On, it's on, it's HBO on one Max. of those two. You can find yeah. it. Um, but it, it really, I mean, it walks through, and because I think at one point, uh, Matt. But Stone I think it, says, I think it, I do think it was an HBO special initially. I, I okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was it, Matt Stone. I mean, some of the stuff that they do now today, they're like, oh yeah, if we try to do this when we first started, no, they never would have had this. Like mm-hmm. they've continued, they pushed the boundaries. Yeah. And it's just funny to think, like, okay, even I mean. It, a lot of a lot of how these things began to thrive in their inception was because of all the controversy that people, yeah. you know, surrounded it with. Kept it kept it in the news cycle. Yeah, it's like everybody was talking about it, and so it was like, okay. I mean, when you think when you think about Beavis and Butthead in 1996 making 63 million dollars, yeah, it's like okay, that's I mean, because essentially when you, I mean, every teenager saw the movie, yeah, <laughs> more or less in and, early 20s. And on top, it was like when you look. I mean, we're looking at. I mean, you look at the competitors that we've been comparing it to. Yeah. As like you know, Tommy Boy and Billy Madison, which are two. I mean, just titans in that world of '90s comedies that we just that we love, we worship, and like mm-hmm. they didn't make like half. Yeah, they didn't make any. That all of them combined didn't make. 60 so, so it's it's just well, funny. I mean, it's not like, the jerk. The jerk obviously was a huge. Yeah, success, the, the, the jerk. Yeah, the jerk did well. Yeah. Um, but that, I mean, 1979 is is a very different era than you know. Yeah. You've got Tommy Boy and Billy Madison and and uh, Beavis and Butthead do America. They're all within. They get a three. Year, they get three to four weeks to make their nut. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then they just have to. And you know, so it, it winds down until video sales kick in. For for Beavis and Butthead, there. I mean, it's almost like you know. I, I don't want to take away from from what you know what mike judge really did and and the credibility to his art but there has to be at least a percentage of those dollars that you can attribute to the fact that people went to see it just to see what all of the talk was about like mm-hmm. oh, I, I, yeah, yeah just gonna, like basic go instinct this. i mean that yeah. movie was a massive hit because people wanted to go see like some beaver on yeah the, i like, don't know how to see it, it. <laughs> like really like that's why you as like it was an okay movie all around, but it's like yeah. to have done that. It's entertaining well, it's like, to be certain, but but it's like yeah, there's way better movies than but Basic Instinct. It just and it, I know we talked about this like White Machete and I like the erotic thrillers died because pornography became like online yeah. and widely available. People were like, I don't need to rent this anymore. It's like yeah, I can, no nobody. Basic Instinct's not going to make three hundred three hundred million dollars on the promise of seeing a shadowy, bushy area. Like this yeah, it's not, like no, that's not going to happen. Like, so what? That pops up without me even wanting it now. <laughs> I got to pay to make it not show up on my computer. Yeah, it's like, okay, if I if I log into Twitter, there's a chance. I'm like, oh, well, good thing the kids weren't around. Just yelling at clouds. That's me, man. So I, I want to shift from Beavis and Butthead a little bit to um, just Mike Judge, the, the driving force, the creative force behind 
Beavis and Butthead. I mean, I've already talked about him. Uh, but just his career and his sort of contribution to pop culture has just been phenomenal. I mean, he... Oh, I love Mike Judge. Oh, he and he's... I, what I love best about him is how, you know, middle America he seems. Yeah. I mean, he grew up in Albuquerque. And he's just very associated with, you know, Texas, the Southwest. Um, and he just seems like a regular dude. And, like, every... Like, he comes out wearing, like you know, stuff a lawnmower salesman would wear, like, when they're yeah, meeting. Yeah, he's just a dude. He's just a, he's just a dude, you know? Like, he's got his shirt tucked in and his blue jeans and, you know, just, like, such a regular dude. Even after he, you know, like, now I'll admit, like, in the two, late 2000s, early 2010s, like, I, I saw, like, pictures of him, like, at, like, you know, conventions or whatever. He's, like, wearing a nice suit. But, yeah. <laughs> but for a long time, he was just, like, interview in blue jeans. It didn't matter. But well, um, he, but he is responsible for uh, Beavis and Butthead, which um, again we talked about it. It ran over a, a couple of periods of time, and it had almost two hundred episodes. Wow. Uh, Office Space, I didn't which is that many. yeah, Office Space, which you know what is iconic, Office you know themed comedy. Uh, you would probably not have. I'm guessing. I, I don't know exactly when the British version of The Office aired first, but I doubt you'd have any interest in that type of show without the success of Office Space. Yeah. Kind of shine the light on an office environment in that, that kind of way. Well, and even because his uh, animated short on SNL was... Uh, oh, Milton? Was on, yeah. Yeah, it was, was a few years. That was early 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Just The animation's just even less of her of quality. I mean, he oh, admits, yes. I mean, he, he did it. He, he was experimenting with animation. He's an interesting yeah. dude. Like he is originally going to be an engineer. Um, I think he played in a band, uh, you know, like he just, it, it, I guess, I think, I think in one interview he said he went to one professional animation class. Um, that just, he was not impressed with and just started <laughs> experimenting with, you know, um, everything himself and this is even before like flash cartoons and stuff was getting big like he he invested i guess you know yeah. like you think about the south park guys like they had kind of kind of used cardboard technology like they invented yeah. a new look oh they yeah. invented this look and it was very you know like tactile in the way that the characters i think were like physically appeared you know like they weren't drawn so much as they were just sort of glued together and put on paper and like that's and how they animated them on stop motion uh, and even, I mean, even when you think about like, kind of like the whole of what, I mean, Mike Judge's animation style, it's like clearly Beavis and Butthead are a, a very unique yeah. look. But, I mean, the rest of the people, um, while they're still, you know, a little cartoony, are really meant to look more like regular people. And yeah. That, that, was not, that was not something we were necessarily seeing as much of in that time frame was the an, an animated series that was, you know, sort of... Not not true to real life, but mm-hmm. you know that there was there was a much closer uh, edge to it that made it feel more like okay, this is these characters don't like I'm used to characters in cartoons being just wildly out of like oh there's animals and all of this kind of stuff where it's like <laughs> just crazy it's just craziness but it's like these yeah were Beavis like, and okay, Butthead and and especially King of the Hill is very 
uh, relatable in a lot of ways. Yeah, exactly. For for better or for worse, like King of the Hill is a much more wholesome show. It's not void of wacky zany characters, but at least most of them are good. There's like a there's a moral compass to most all of them, really. Yes, <laughs> um, more so than Beavis and Butthead. Definitely more so. But yeah, so King of the Hill. I mean, that ran from '97 up until like 2010. It has 258 episodes give or take like that that's insane yeah. so right i mean those two series he's got over 400 episodes in two series i mean that's yeah that's nuts uh, he and he did idiocracy which really i feel it I, it's hard to remember exactly like what the deal with that movie was but i feel like he felt the the studio buried that movie yeah the, um, it, for whatever reason i don't know why i don't know why you would you know do that to Mike Judge, who I don't feel like has really done anything to hurt anybody, and he's only made money for people. <laughs> some some of why I always thought that that movie did not do as well is because there there's a little bit of a note in the in the context of the movie that's kind of biting the hand that feeds you, mm-hmm. like because the whole premise of the movie is like corporations take over and yeah. you know everyone just gets stupider because because the world is run by companies. And so <laughs> right. there's a part where it's like, you know, I, and I don't unchecked think the, breeding. I mean. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, you let all the morons just go to town and the world just gets overrun. I, I the, really want to talk about that movie someday soon. Like I, I oh, really enjoy that movie. Terry Crews is the president watering his field. Oh my Gatorade God. President. Is, uh, uh, was it, uh, Alfonso uh, Hector Alfonso. Like, I don't know. He's got this great, like uh, oh god, what the hell is his name? Now I now I can't. But I know like Taco Bell is like in his name somewhere. <laughs> it's such a great character. I love him as the president. Uh, but anyways, yeah, Idiocracy I I feel is just as iconic as as Office Space. Just didn't get any attention for one reason or another. Uh, and then he and then he comes back and he's like, hey, how about? How about uh, if animation's not your thing, I'll just drop one of the better sitcoms of the 2010s and boom, you know, Silicon Valley, which is, you know, yeah. kind of like office space, but in San Francisco. <laughs> it's a wonderful show. It is really good. And that, that ran from, for an HBO show, it's a pretty incredible 2014 to 2019, which is over 100 episodes. That's really good for an HBO yeah, show. Yeah, I think, I think it would end with the sixth season, I think. I feel like there were six. Yeah, yeah, that that checks out. That checks out because I mean they're not like seasons on HBO. Is no, they're like ten. Like, they're not. They don't adhere to the same type of release schedule necessarily that a NBC, Fox, ABC like would. Uh, <clears throat> but you know, I mean, but so you all of those things, and he voiced he he he. Not only did he create like conceptually these things, like he also was the voice talent for. Pretty much all of Beavis and Butthead. All, yeah. Mean, all, almost all the characters, but I mean, also Hank Hill and Boomhauer. And, you know, he just, he, he's just a really talented guy. And he's very much like Matt and Trey in that way. Yes. You know, like they're in total control of, like, they're, everything about them is just all wrapped up in the show. Yeah. And you can tell. And it must, it, it must be nice to have that type of, of control over your, your, your vision, your baby. And uh, I, I, I feel like he just doesn't get the credit that he probably deserves. 
That's too bad. Um, let's see. So yeah, there's all of those things. One thing about Beavis and Butthead too, like they had a lot of people that promoted their brand. Pretty like influential yeah. people. Like David Letterman was a huge Beavis and Butthead fan. Massive. Well, he had a he had a voice in the movie. I just I love He did. Like, when you go through the cast in, in the movie of voices, it's it's I I really enjoyed how surprising it was. Yeah. Yeah, and I like that he more or less they imply that he's be- or Butthead's biological father. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's pretty that's a, a hell of a tribute to a man who really championed Mike Judge and Beavis and Butthead. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of like fun, like little YouTube clips out there of Letterman hosting MTV movie awards or video awards and him, you know, just playing along being like being filmed live, but Beavis and Butthead animated to the left and right of him. And he's just enjoying every minute of it. And Letterman was just a weird guy. Like he, he didn't just come out and say he loved many things. No, he oftentimes mocked his guests and all of the Hollywood you know, just people like people you expect to kiss their ass. Like he oftentimes didn't. <laughs> oh no, Letter- Letterman is he's the silver medal to Johnny Carson in in my book. I mean, Carson's always going to be the best. And then David Letterman. I mean, just I, I was I was so disappointed when he dis when he decided. I mean, I w- it made sense, but it was just when I was like, ah, oh, we're losing. I mean, it was like I mean, we still have Conan, which I love Conan. Oh yeah, and he's probably the bronze. But I was just like, I mean, David Letterman, from from a genuine, I mean, Jay Leno is a he's a he, Jay Leno's a phenomenal stand up comic. I mean, he re, his his stand up comedy is, is, I mean, no. is oh he, his stand up comedy is way better. I mean, like when they well, it's him a lot different for, in the seventies though, right? I mean, I feel when, like his, when when they watered him down for the Tonight Show, it was way different than what yeah. he does stand up. Okay, his stand up is is I mean his I would I, I would, I'll, I'll give you that I'll believe that. Um, yeah, and and that was and that was the thing that was why Letterman was never going to work for the Tonight Show because when Johnny when Johnny ran the Tonight Show it was Johnny's show and he had he had all the say and when he retired that was the network's opportunity because they have that they have that movie on HBO to grab that, uh, power yeah to, for the for the <laughs> yeah the late to shift really, awesome um, yeah that's uh, got to so, be somewhere out there streaming if you haven't seen it's it. it's it on out. HBO yeah okay and it's, oh yeah that it's, was an HBO movie right <clears throat> and. And that I mean that was why Letterman and by extension why uh, Conan was never going to work because yeah the, I mean they that were, was really they're, heartbreaking they're that it got taken away from me like yeah. that and and I think and that everybody was, I mean, knew it was going on too like it wasn't oh yeah you know you just you, you just like okay people know this is happening behind the scenes like it's out there now yet we're still going to do you dirty like we're going to prove that Letterman was right. <laughs> <laughs> we're all scumbags and are just well, going to use these people as pawns. And that was why that was why people shit on Jay Leno for as long as he did cuz he kind of I mean he in a lot of ways he kind of sold out. Yeah. Be, because a letterman was never he was never going to keep the job because he was a comedian. Now Letterman Letterman will tell you all day long he was never successful as a stand-up. Oh, but he, I mean, yeah. he—he's he's shown... more akin to Howard Stern, you know. He's yeah. just—he's a great conversationalist. Even though I know 
uh, even in even in his heyday, there he definitely had his you know not fans. Didn't really appreciate, I guess, how cantankerous he seemed to be with most people. Yeah, and in 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 a, in a twenty twenty world, like you see Twitter going insane. You know, like why is David Letterman trending? Like, oh well, he was he was abusive to Lindsay Lohan. You know, in an in an interview from eight nine years ago. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was like, Letterman no, no, did. you you are looking at it through your 2020 little precious little eyes. Yeah, he was like that with everybody, everybody, <laughs> yeah. and because because he was a comedian, he was not was singling a- out Lindsay Lohan because she was no. a woman. He singled her out because she was, she was a, a celebrity. <laughs> it was one of those like she gener- I mean, she's just a comedy generator. Like, yeah. why would I not point out all of these things? <laughs> because this is hilarious. Yeah, but but Letterman did sell out eventually too. Like that, his I I haven't been any interested in all in his show. I think that he does for no, Netflix. I, Just does not seem appealing to me in the slightest. He was. You know, like, I I genuinely enjoyed when he was on Norm Macdonald's uh, new show on Netflix. That was one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, because he and Norm have such a long-standing relationship, and they sure. work so well together. But yeah, I couldn't. I wasn't going to watch his other show because I'm like, this isn't the Late Show. Not many, too many. Not many com- like comedic legends get to go out on their own terms, like yeah. you know, a Johnny Carson or a Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. It's it's more commonly like, oh, they held on a little too long, and and towards the end of Letterman's run on Late Night. You know, I, I just was like, I would oftentimes just go, is Letterman still even on? He's still on? Yeah. <laughs> Who is watching Letterman in 2015? <laughs> like, it's insane. You have all these other choices who are just better now. You know, like, I I liked, I really liked the, you know, NBC Letterman show. And I loved it when he moved over to CBS and, like, he brought yeah. all that with him. But he saw, he, he mellowed out a lot. And just it just wasn't he just wasn't edgy or cool anymore by, you know, ninety four or ninety five. I don't know. Like I, I I can't remember exactly when he switched over, but it was in the early nineties. Yeah, it it just it got it got to be time for Letterman Letterman to be done. Yeah. Uh, what what I liked was because he kind of thumbed his nose at, at NBC and said, "Fine, I'll go. I'll do I'll do the show on CBS, and I'll do yeah. it my way." And right. ratings, and they were wise, more than happy to have him. Like they yeah, gave him ratings wise, everything. he was he was always hanging in there, if not sometimes ahead of of the Tonight Show. Yeah, um, and so it was one of those like, okay, to be on par. I mean, the fact that it's not clearly that oh, the Tonight Show is number one, and the Late Show with David Letterman is this far and away second. It's like no, the fact that he's hanging in there means that what he's doing, people want to watch. Yeah, and I, I like you know bringing it back to the Beavis and Butthead thing. That's one of the things I think that really made him, you know, be, be like what you were saying. He didn't have a lot of things that he just promoted. He right. didn't have a lot of things like, hey. He loved Chris Elliott and he loved yeah. Beavis and Butthead. That <laughs> was like what And he, why you would love Chris Elliott, I, for the life of me. I, I don't know. Chris Elliott what, did have a funny, like, to me, there's no Will Ferrell without Chris Elliott. Because they kind of they kind of rely their their sense of humor and their style is almost identical. They they try to like just get in your face and be as unappealing as possible. Like create very tense, uncomfortable situations, and then bask in the joy 
of watching people melt down around you. Like that's just what Will Ferrell does. He was just in a more, a slightly more charming and palpable yes. way. And also Chris, you know, Elliot was probably a little ahead of its time too. But I mean, you know, like it's your Andy Kaufman's, it's your Chris Elliott's. And I just, I think Chris Elliott before he did Cabin Boy was a legendary like person in comedy, honestly, because of those Letterman years. Some of those old skits are pretty hilarious with him. He, um, <laughs> one of my favorite uh, Chris Elliott's from, from SNL was when he did uh, Yard Laser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is just it's yeah. Just he was a cast member on commercial. SNL for a little while, right? Yeah, it was, and and that that was to Chris Elliott's loyal, That was probably that was one of his one of the problems for Chris Elliott is if he would have been in a less capable cast, he would have shown better. But he had so many guys around him at the same time that were hitting. I mean, he was. Yeah. I mean, you had Phil Hartman. You had. Um, uh, Mike Myers, Dana Carvey. I mean, you had guys that were really out there. It was like, oh, and so it was just it was easy for Chris Elliott to get kind of pushed to the back of things. Yeah, and that's true. So it, it was if he had if he had come if he had been a cast member in a better time, I think it would have worked out very differently for him because it could he, have. He does have. I mean, he's. It's not like he was completely incapable. He just didn't oh, get no. as much screen time because you had you had Mike Myers and Dana Carvey and. Phil Hartman and Kevin Neal. You had all these guys who were eating up screen time. He he didn't and fit in. He didn't no. fit in. He 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 always looked like he was in his forties. You know, like from he, the day he, he was born, <laughs> right? He just never he never had the benefit of having a youthful kind of look to him. Like he yeah. always had that beard. He was losing his hair at twelve years yeah, old. He was probably. just you just know like male pattern baldness by the time he was. <laughs> Just, just born middle aged. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so that right, doesn't about help. gas prices, you know. Yep. Yep. But and I, 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 I've been meaning to like go back and check out that Get a Live show, just because. That's one. That's one. Like he has some of those. Like when I went back and watched the Dana Carvey show on Hulu when they had it, um, which I think it might still be on there. It's one of those like you you can watch it now and enjoy it because it was ahead of its time. Hey, you want to know that one thing that Get a Life. And uh, the Dana Carvey show have in common? Um, yes, I do. Okay. I was going to guess, but I, I I do. Go ahead and tell me. No, I, I don't know. I was just. Oh, gonna okay. <laughs> I thought guess. you were saying you did know what, what they no, had in common. I, I, sorry, I was going to guess because. Oh, like, uh, uh, they both to. both shows had Bob Odenkirk write for them. There you go. Yep. There's Which a commonality I will, there? I will take a moment to plug Bob Odenkirk's new movie. Nobody, it is fan. Fantastic! I, I it's on my list of of things I need to check out. It's, I've already watched it twice. Could have probably watched it three or four times because yeah. it's so good. So you rented so it? Good. I take it. Yep. Yes, that's good, so man. Good. You got to have something exciting. I mean, it's it's actually been a pretty entertaining, exciting couple of months for movies. Things like are we had the Godzilla around. versus you know Kong movie, and then Mortal got, Kombat just came out last week. You know, it was we got fun. trailers. We have like actual trailers for like real movies that people want to go see. Yeah. So it's like, so, how, you know, like, hey, come to theaters and see movies. Like, oh, we could do that again. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, you, you get, you got, you know, movies again. Yes. And, uh, it's a good time so, to be alive. Yeah. I, I'm going to have to get my butt out in theaters and start watching movies again. Like, there's still a handful of movies that are going to be just day and date releases. But, yeah. uh, well, one thing, one thing that kind of surprised me was that new, um, 
Dawn of the Dead sequel that's coming out. Oh yeah, Army of the Dead, the Netflix one. Yeah, that's actually yeah, that's a Netflix movie. I didn't even know that. I didn't yeah. even know by when I saw the trailer, I didn't see a Netflix like stinger on it like they yep. usually do. Like it, it just kind of it was just like a regular trailer, and I was like, I'm gonna have to probably go to theaters to see this because I really want to see Zack Snyder get back into just making cool shit look cool and not have to worry about fan service by yep. the billions of people ready to just hate him because he's doing a thing. Like he, yeah. he's directing Zach a Snyder thing they love shit on it. Just, just has to live to their unbelievable scrutiny, like undeserved. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll, I'll be glad to see him back in just doing really stylish, cool stuff again. So back back to back to the task at hand here. So yeah, Mike Judge. Mike Judge. I I liked I liked watching some of the videos that I found of just sort of cuz you know, he every time he went to a show, there was like some built-on version of his previous story about what like I mean, everybody always wants to know like what are what's the inspiration for these guys? Like do you know these guys? And from the best that I can tell, like Beavis and Butthead is just sort of you know, an amalgamation of a lot of people that he's just crossed in his life. Yeah. Like he, I think a lot, I think a lot of it was butthead and then he just sort of tacked on Beavis. Like there wasn't like two guys that he grew up with. Yeah. There, there's just a, gr- a handful of stories and there, but I enjoy him and I, I want to talk about him. So one of the first clips I found, and I kind of remember this cause I was such a early Conan fan an early adopter, you know, he was on uh, Conan talking about, you know, what his inspiration was. He's like, well, I just started with, I drew a kid and it sort of kind of resembled a kid that I knew, but I drew him really ugly for no good, like just uglier (laughs) than he really was. Just cause the, the braces, like he didn't really like the kid. So he made him a little bit more ugly. And he was, he was trying to explain to Conan, like just sort of the, and I, I get it now what he was going for. Like, he was just trying to, like, find a way to describe just kids in general where he was, like, how they acted. Like, everyone acted kind of tough, even though like, they're just skinny, skin and bone, like, little pieces of crap. You know, like, they're they're not really tough guys, but they always just constantly want to talk tough. And uh, he was talking about how he was had built a little fort, and there was this one kid in particular who just sort of didn't like him and just... I guess he just sort of went through his life like Scott Farkas from A Christmas Story, just making <laughs> all the kids, all the other kids, and they were miserable for no good reason, just because he's going, he's got all those hormones raging in him. But he's like, I love that he was like, you know, you know that. When he was doing the voice, but was close to Butthead, but not Butthead. It wasn't a Butthead <laughs> impersonation. He's like, you know that fort that you built? Well, when I get out of school, I'm going to come back and I'm going to break it. <laughs> just like his sort of attitude, just a dick to be a dick, just kind of a dick, and and his joy in life was just to destroy something, you know. That was what made him happy, and uh, so that was like the first time I heard him kind of try to explain the origins of Beavis and Butthead. And then I, then there's like a number of like Letterman appearances where he kind of gets to the the bottom of the Butthead. Like apparently he knew this kid who called himself Iron Butt. <laughs> like, that was what he wanted other kids to call him. That's a nickname. That's a cool nickname. 
It's like Iron Balls McGinty, right? It's Iron right Balls McGinty. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he, he knew a kid who referred to himself as Iron Butt, and he would inv- he invited other students to kick him in the ass as hard as they could. Like that was like his sort of gimmick and and ticket to friendship. So you gotta have I, something. You gotta What's your have angle, something. kid? What's your angle? You gotta have an angle. Uh, so there's the Iron Butt thing, and then there's another story that he tells, and I think a lot of the comedy comes from his th- this particular story where he was living in some cheap apartment and they had really thin walls in the apartment building that he lived. And one of his neighbors was basically, uh, if he didn't, if he didn't take his medication, he started just, you know, spiraling a bit. And he was just like, I could always tell when he didn't take it because he would just laugh constantly in like the room <laughs> next to him. He would just laugh about anything and everything. Uh, so there's like a really funny skit there. And then adding on to that, the same guy he was talking about, he walked out and I love, I love the story of where he says this, I wrote it down. So, so he described a guy who was off his meds, who, uh, like I said, was laughing and crazy. One day he was outside carefully removing the windshield from his really nice Chevy Nova. Like, Judge was like, he, he pointed out that this is a really nice car. And he's just carefully removing the windshield out. And when Judge asked him what in the world he was doing, he just went, now it's like a truck. <laughs> Like that story, very butthead way to look at things. Now it's like a truck. Now it's like a truck. Uh, so, and I, I love too that he, he, of course, like a lot of these comedians, they come up through Catholic school upbringings, yeah. <laughs> private school, Catholic school. And he would, he remembers like thinking about how like the priest would in mass say things like, take this and eat it. And he would hear people in the back behind him and other like, you know, just like laughing, giggling, giggling at this priest saying, take this and eat it. <laughs> so that that's just Beavis and Butthead. Like he just sort of, it. it's not just like a one guy or a couple of guys that he actually knew. It's just like all of the like absurd teenage behavior that he just found funny, just, just turned a, a him into. A focused representation guys. of the stupid things. That especially especially boys, yeah. Like it's oh I was like, yeah. You just we 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 reach an age where it's like, it, like the stupidest things am- amuse us, and it never really stops. Like you just no, it never. Like, nev- you never. I never have grown out no. of that phase. I feel bad. I like. I know people that have grown out of it. Like, oh, I feel bad for you. It's like, no, I feel bad for you, because this shit's still really funny to me. <laughs> like, it's funny. Like forty five minutes later, I now remember why I brought Nick up earlier. <laughs> He, I got excited because he had sent me a clip of the 80s cartoon, Mar- the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. And if you're familiar with that show, uh, Monday through Thursdays, they had a Mario cartoon. And on Fridays, they always had a Legend of Zelda cartoon. Yep. So somebody had taken an episode of The Legend of Zelda and dubbed all of the characters' voices as Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> and it's not like nice. recycled lines from the show. Like it's just like a couple, like an actor doing the voices doing really the voices well for all of the dialogue. But in in the spirit of all the old Beavis and Butthead cartoons, Very and it nice. is so fucking funny. <laughs> and he sends that to me, and it just 
reminded me of just of a time in my life where uh, you could totally get away with animating a show like where a guy pulls a finger and then farts and then they just sit and laugh about it. And it was just like the peak, the you know, like the pinnacle of popularity with everyone. You know, like everybody oh, talked yeah. about Boots and Butthead. They were insanely popular. So let, let's let's talk about the movie, I guess, since that's sort of my cheat way into talking Beavis and Butthead is this movie, which I had already kind of kind of slammed honestly with its length. I, I I do enjoy it. It's very much so uh, a Beavis and Butthead. And and one of the things I always thought I wanted one I remember this very very vividly watching the show. And if you know the show's premise, like there's like little interstitials of the yeah. story. Yeah, but the bulk of the show was just them watching real videos and News them videos. commenting over top of it. That's that that was like most of the show, and I remember thinking like I wish I could just see like what a full length version of one of their stories would be like, and they made a movie just no no videos. Just to give it to you. They gave it to me, and I'm like I think I understand now why they broke it up with. Uh, watching a music video and commenting it because anybody can relate to that. Like that, there's no story needed. You're just yeah. one of those dudes sitting on a couch with them, you know, ragging on these cheesy videos. So I I think Beavis and Butthead really work well in very short bursts. Uh, but they got Bruce Willis uh, and Demi Moore <laughs> in this movie in 1996 and they were both very in demand yeah, uh, actors like they were they were at their like the peak of their power yeah to me more just got paid a record amount of money to sh- to strip nude down in strip tees which yes is to me in my estimation is like really no not much different than like showgirls like it's really just it's yeah. a it's not a good movie it no. has some really talented people in it burt reynolds came from boogie nights where he's brilliant and then he he this is what he uses like he cashes that in and does that character from striptease which is terrible or he's like a senator yeah it's kind of like hey bert could you take everything that like i know that you just acted really well in yeah, this other you movie. were nominated for an academy award what we'd like like just stay in character but kind of like phone it in and maybe like take a nap. Like you just be on <laughs> right. screen like, yeah, it was nudity. <laughs> but it didn't matter. People were there to see Demi Moore just looking yeah, that's all so amazing. That's why they and were And then, seen. you know, Bruce Willis made Die Hard with a Vengeance and 12 Monkeys. And, you know, of course, just a couple years before that, he was in uh, Pulp Fiction, which brought him back. And, you know, he, he, had, he, had, he was about to do... Um, Oh, what's the science fiction movie that's really good? The The Fifth Element. He was about Fifth to be L- in yeah. that. So, like, Bruce Willis was also very... Oh, yeah, he's highly in demand at this point. But he is, like, this drunken character who kind of drives the boy. Like, I like how the movie opens. I really love watching them in their day-to-day where, like, the, the two crooks steal their TV out from underneath their noses. And... Beavis is just in shock and freaking out about there not being a TV there anymore, and Butthead's like trying to put it all together. 
and he's like looking at the broken window and he's he looking at the scanning. Yeah. He's like, scanning to like the muddy uh, footprints of the thieves to the empty space where the TV was to the wide open front door with the said thieves still running out. Like, and he's just scanning back forth, back forth, back forth, trying to get like a thought. I really like that felt very classic Beavis and Butthead, but then they get into this, that, that like, that's the whole part like that's what how the movie gets going and i appreciate that as a starter you know they're trying to find a tv it leads them to muddy grimes played by bruce willis who somehow mistakes these two morons for hitmen he he offers them these two teenagers (laughs) these idiot teenagers who have not a clue in their head you can clearly see it they they wander into his hotel and they see like the blue like sign off screen, and they're like TV, yeah. like we can watch TV now. Like, what are you gonna watch, guys? <laughs> but <clears throat> I I don't like this character. Like, it's kind of dumb. And like the whole like you know like uh, you, I'll give you twenty thousand dollars to do my wife. And like the way he's saying it, like like he he could have just I I understand like what he's going for, like what they're expecting you to for us to believe like that's just a thing people said when they're going to kill somebody do them yeah like he, he could have put it in so many other ways to where like it just they would just suddenly not be intrigued with doing a chick because they're virgins and they just want to do a chick <laughs> but that that motivates them to get off their asses and go all the way to was it like las vegas yeah out west right like well no, yeah it was las vegas exactly so like they get motivated just for the money, they could buy a new TV and they could do a chick. And Demi Moore was Dallas Grimes, some you know, s like and like I don't know what she is like. She's she's carrying some biological weapon on her, like I guess to sell on the, on the black market or something. Yeah, like, you know that that all. It's all me. contrived. Like it's it's all such it's such goofy shit, but it it at least gives them a reason to bring in a couple of just like classic actors from TV who have just been around forever and are really awesome in their own right. And it's Cloris Leachman who she was fantastic. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Her played, character is remarkable. She plays the old woman who's looking forward to playing the slots. <laughs> and of course, See, Beavis I, I think, she says sluts. I she think really says like it like slut. I mean, that, that, because like I, I think one of the things, you know, you, you have you have these moments, because the whole point of the dialogue is going to be where can we insert double entendres? That's right. the whole. I mean, like right. that's all we're going to do the whole time. Yeah, and like to to what you were saying with the the muddy grimes, like okay, you, you could write this scene better. I mean, right. I don't have anything off the top of my head, but it's just when I was like, when you said yeah. everything, but I was like, you could write this scene. I know better you could be funnier, <laughs> right? And so it was like in those moments, you're like. I, for the next 80 minutes, like, I'm going to sit here and laugh at all of these stupid things that these, like, <laughs> right. like that's the whole thing. It's like the whole scene in Las that. Vegas where they're in Las Vegas with everything and like, just you got, you know, gambling and, and prostitutes and shining bright lights. And they're fascinated with the pair of bronze tits from like a Cleopatra yeah. movie. Like they can't take them. Yeah. They're just laughing like morons. Uh, but yeah, uh, but they're consistent. I'll give them that. Yeah. And, and Bruce Willis and Demi Moore, I'm convinced each worked t- 15 minutes to record their lines and were out like they, to be, to be like so highly billed 
for what and what they do. Like it's it's really the Robert Stack show. Well, and I, I don't. I think I think that's the thing that's really funny about it is like I didn't immediately realize it was Bruce Willis and Demi Moore. Yeah, like it wasn't until I pulled it up and was like, "That's Bruce Willis and Demi Moore." You can hear and it. Then, like, you I can hear those... it in Bruce's because he's not going to put a lot of effort into no. changing his voice. But I had to, like, I had to stop and listen. Yeah, like, close my eyes. Like, okay, yeah, that is Bruce Willis. I didn't. I did like it wasn't like recognizable to me. It was right heavily promoted. Like, like they were really at the top of you know, like promoting the movie for sure. And they both were like big stars at the time, really big. Yeah. So you know. It did. It just just getting them in added a level of credibility. I guess is really all they really wanted. This is a real movie, guys. We got yeah. actors, and it and it reminds me too of something else that uh, Mike Judge would say a lot. He, he they were they were toying around with the, an idea of making a movie for years. Uh, as soon as it was you know apparent they had a successful TV show in the, in the '90s, like what you did was you tried to make a movie right away. Yeah, from anything that was popular on TV, like there was just this run, and you know SNL did it, uh, just, yep. everybody did it. So as soon as they like, as soon as someone could bought the rights to make it, uh, I feel like they were trying to. And another thing that was going on in the '90s was uh, let's take a classic cartoon and live action, give it like the live action treatment. Yeah, you know, like that was just. It became a thing where if if there was going to be an animated property, you just assumed that it had to be live action because cartoons is just not good enough anymore. Yeah. So that's you got like Richie Rich movies and the Flintstones and just all yep. these different cartoons that just turned to live action movies. George of the Jungle, like there was just so many. Um, Dudley Do Right, like I mean, just so many, so many, too many to even. Think yeah, they about just. Anymore. I mean, it's like okay, take every cartoon property we have so i think the studios were really trying to push and i i'm you know i'm kind of thumbing through some of the you know like tidbits and trivia and stuff that we like to do and uh one of the things i saw was that um viacom really wanted or geffen or you know like whoever bought the movie district like the movie yeah i think it was viacom yeah so they wanted to immediately get uh chris farley and david spade yeah, and then also saw David Spade and Adam Sandler, and there was a clip that I found of John Stewart's old show, where David Spade was in his like early '90s glory, and he yeah. Mike Judge was a guest on the show as well as David Spade, and David Spade kind of would have made sense as a Beavis, you know, like he kind of you could kind of yeah. see it, like it's. You know, like you're nowadays. You're like, of course, just make an animated proper Beavis and Butthead. Like, let and, and if anybody but Mike Judge does it, it's who gives a shit. But back then, you would. I mean, you would try and take some like famous person and like you like dreamcast a bit. Like, oh, that that, that makes sense. But to Chris Farley as Butthead or Adam Sandler as Butthead, there's no way they would take it seriously. I mean, not that it deserves to be yeah. taken that serious. They're not going to do a good butthead impersonation. No, Sand- Sandler would have made more sense. Yeah, but he, him and Spade together, it's like good. You don't have the same chemistry. It would have been yeah, weird. yeah. Like, you know, like you'd almost wouldn't mind seeing what they would have thought up. But so I in res- I think probably what was going on because in, in two or three different uh, interviews where he's just generally promoting like season two of Beavis and Butthead or whatever. 
they would always mention every host that, you know, they're like, and we hear there's going to be a Beavis and Butthead movie. What's going on with that? Do you, are you going to make it live action? And he would always say, well, I, I would really prefer to make it animated. Like, he always said that, you know, every time. Yeah. So I think the reason, part of the reason why it took so long to get there is because he was probably fighting the studios. Yeah, I'd have to imagine that's, yeah. It had to be it. And he, he even made another joke. He's like, if you, what I was told right away, as soon as, like, it was, you know, was, as soon as it was news, there was news that be, there could be a Beavis and Butthead movie now. He was warned. He's like, you know what they're going to do. When they cast this movie, they're going to give you Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. <laughs> that's, that's who you're going to have to make a Beavis and Butthead movie with. And I laugh at that because I, I see that tidbit of Adam Sandler and Chris Farley. And I'm thinking they probably never said or meant Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. But they're going to give you whatever the equivalent famous person was and just make you use them. Yeah. So, like, I, in reality, it was probably like they're going to make you use Adam Sandler and Chris Farley. But he's just sort of jokingly, I guess, maybe to protect. I don't know. He said Mel Gibson, well, Danny Glover, because, like, one's a white guy, one's a black guy. And it's just a funnier joke on the surface. Like, that's that to me is I mean, like, I would, I would point squarely at Batman Forever as a prime example of that. It's like, yeah. We, we're not going to cast this movie well. We're not going to cast it with people that should be in these roles. Yeah. We're going to look at who do we have contracts with, who do yep. we have relationships with, yep. who's big at the box office, right. and throw them in the flick. Yeah. That and started, that was, that yeah, and it was very big in the 90s, man. Like, you would just get these movies, and it's just like, oh, another one, of, another Adam Sandler movie? Does this, does this make sense, really? Should he be in this? Yeah, when they were just churning out, like, it was like, all right, these it's it was just prepackaged or the lunchables of movies. It's just put whoever <laughs> you want. Who do who do we have? Throw them in a movie. Well, anyways, a I'm sorry to get too grab. off track, but when I, but when I see Bruce Willis and Demi Moore, that kind of reminds me like that that was the decision like a studio person said. Yeah, like, that makes you that need makes to get some big stars. Like yeah, cast your Cloris Leachmans and your Robert Stacks and your Greg Kinnears. People like you know. That makes a little more sense for a Beavis and Butthead big screen movie, you know, like those types of people. Like, but Bruce Willis and Demi Moore, and like they really don't even matter. I don't know. But and I, Toby I, I wanted to, us. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to talk about Cloris Leachman a little bit because again, one thing that I say often on the show is like I don't know when we're going to get a chance to talk about this person again because we're a movie podcast. But Cloris Leachman, who we lost this year, had such a crazy awesome career. As a comedian, really. I mean, dating back yeah. to the oh, yeah. freaking like, 50s, man. Yeah, she's look, been around for a while. If, if you look at her career, it ended with her just being the nutty granny character. Yeah. For everything. Like, it's like I'm, I made like a, just a little highlight reel of some of the things she was really famous for. Like, she was in um, Lassie in the 50s and 60s. She was in Mary Tyler Moore in the 70s. She was on The Facts of Life in the 80s. And then in 93, she played Granny in Beverly Hillbillies Beverly and Hillbillies. was great. Oh, she nailed that. That 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 movie actually is underappreciated, I feel like, for a lot of... like it, They really did a nice job casting for that movie. Oh, they did a fantastic job. I mean, Jim Varney. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as, as, as the Buddy as, Epson role. That's, yeah. I mean, it's fantastic. And, it's really good. 
and Ellie May, and yeah, oh god, as Jethro, so good. Yeah, and then uh, who who was it uh, from from? Oh, it was the one girl from Baywatch? What's her face? Uh, that played Ellie May. I forget her name. Erica. Oh, uh, yeah, Erica. Oh, it is. Or it's something Erica like something like. And then there's like a D with a hyphen. I don't know what her name. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're right. You're right. I was thrown because I always just think Pam Anderson when you say Baywatch. But shoot, <laughs> there were a lot of famous, you know, there were a, a number of ladies babes. on that show. Yeah, that show really churned them out. Uh, but Cloris Alexandra Leachman, Paul, sister to uh, Adrian Paul. Uh huh. She was on. Uh, she was on the uh, the Baywatch. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Just wanted to mention Yasmin Bleeth. Yeah. <laughs> um. The hot blonde from Charles in Charge. <laughs> yes, she was. Can't she was on remember that. her name either. But Willie Ames. Um, no, that was a different. <laughs> <a> different <guy. laughs> if I were still doing like Facebook, like teasers, that'd be a really good yes. one right there. That would well be done, one, sir. Well done. But yeah, Cloris Leachman. I mean, she she had this really, really, really awesome career, and she was Granny. Uh, then she was the sandwiches grandma from Bad Santa. Bad I Santa. love her in that. Love her. Granny in that. Spry. Granny is Granny Spry. Oh God, I love that movie. The first one is so good. Yes. Uh, then she was great. Gam Gam and Beer Fest, and one of my all-time favorite Cloris yeah. Leachman performance, where she played the Bavarian whore. Yes. Who escapes Germany <laughs> or Austria? Or, no, it was Germany. Uh, to start a life anew in America. So she she's awesome in that. Uh, she was Gran in The Crudes in a couple of movies. Yep. And and she was in Raising Hope as the Ma Ma character. Yep. I mean, she she was making good quality shit to the day she died. There's yeah. there are still unreleased Cloris Leachman con. There's still it's their content out there that's just yeah. being wrapped up. Like, wow, what a career. And then you take Robert Stack, who's had also an equally long career. Oh, yeah. His shit, his resume goes back to, like, the 30s, man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when I think of Robert Stack, it's just Unsolved Mysteries. Unsolved is Mysteries. Like the marquee, the big and letters. And Airplane. He was Ultra Magnus in yeah. the Transformers movie, which is awesome. Yes. But he also played Elliot Nett in The Untouchables in the 50s and 60s. I mean, the dude goes way back. Oh, yeah. But I found his performance so weird. With the constant cavity search, cavity searches. <laughs> I mean, how many times did Robert Stack say cavity search? And it he would be like, you know, go to town on him, elbow deep. <laughs> it, it reminded me of, uh, uh, oh, I just had his name um, from uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It. Leslie uh, Nielsen? Uh, no, the. Uh, oh. He played Headley Lamar. Why can't I think of his name? I don't know. Um, Sorry. But he was... Uh, he Headley was... from the Jeffersons? <laughs> <laughs> I have to look him up. It's going to bug me. Cause That's some good Headleys he right there. Um, but uh, he he was uh, the one that uh, that ran the uh, the sanitarium. And uh-huh. he, he kept he kept giving Renfield uh, enemas. In uh, Dracula, another yeah. en- not another enema. Yes, and, and like, then another is, enema. What is, your, what is your obsession with this shit? Harvey Corman. Oh, Harvey it, Corman. Okay, okay. Yeah, I couldn't remember his name. And you got poor Greg Kinnear, who's just Asian yeah, Bork. He's just there. He's just there. And and Greg Kinnear has just that voice and ease to him, like a Phil Hartman. 
you he just feels like he's been around forever and th- this is yeah. like post talk suit but pre as good as it gets yeah so he's not before that, he'd really made it yeah it's really before he made it but i i did enjoy just the ease of just listening to greg kinnear like i do enjoy him for almost everything he's in um toby huss yeah don't forget toby huss yeah he's a voice he's a pretty famous voice actor isn't he love me some toby huss yeah so it i mean and richard linkletter and as one of the bus drivers yeah yep i like how you break down movie synopsis would you mind for this movie and then, honestly, we don't have to talk too much about it because uh, other than the soundtrack, which is really good, I, I I dig the soundtrack. There's some really fun stuff in it. The story is just so, like, anytime you get damn humor, I just, I'm out. Yes. You know, like the Vegas vacation movie with yeah, Eddie. Like, and that was that was want. way funnier than Beavis's. That was probably one of the is best it a goddamn? <laughs> so dumb. Like, I just hate it. Uh, yeah. and then you got poor Tom Anderson. He, and he even he even he is falls prey to the cavity searches. <laughs> I did I did like at the beginning of the of the film when they're they're loading up, and he's got his he's got his big tank on the mm-hmm. uh, that. They, Boy, they, I tell you, there's nothing like a <laughs> like I forget what it was. The line well, they specifically changed the type of fuel to butane to distance him from. From Hank Hill's propane, really? Like it was gonna be propane, but they're oh, like, oh, okay, okay, because okay. he's like, okay, this is butane. Cause it's that, clearly the same. It's the same voice. Because I was as I'm watching. Yeah, oh like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. he's he's gonna. He here's here's the propane. Hank, Hank Hill. Like, yeah, Tom Anderson is a prototype for Hank Hill. One hundred percent. And then he comes out. And he's like, oh, it's premium butane. I was like, butane's a <laughs> bastard gas. Have you never listened to Hank Rutherford Hill? Butane, butane. Who are yeah. you? I should watch. I should go back and watch all of King of the Hill because oh, there's a I'm, lot of those I haven't. I, I was into it pretty heavily for a couple seasons, and then I just sort of stopped, kind of watching I, it. I've watched the entire of King of the Hill probably seven or eight times. I, yeah, I, that's one of my favorites. It's a it's a good shows. show. It's a good oh, show. So good. There's talk of bringing it back, which part of me wants and part of me doesn't. Eh, well, I mean, it didn't work out so well for Beavis and Butthead, and yeah, it's like uh, um, it I, I know it worked when it worked and it did it well. Yeah, I don't know if you bring it back if you're going to get the same mileage out of it as you maybe think you will. maybe you could you might you might get a little bit not not as much but a little bit yeah um, and the market's so of, flooded with with adult animation stuff now that it's like, oh my gosh would it, would thanks to comedy central or not comedy central cartoon networks uh, adult yeah, swim adult swim yeah you're you're good you're set you're and set. i mean fox fox is still fox and fx they're turning out stuff left and right um i mean they've because they have their sunday night they've bob's burgers and then uh, mm-hmm. they have a new one the great north which is still oh, pretty yeah. good. I might have to check that out too. I so here's here's what I would like for you because I you you're a pretty good performance artist <sighs> in your own in your own right. I would <laughs> like you as Hank Hill or Tom Anderson give me a thirty seconds or less synopsis of this movie, please. Thirty seconds or less. Thirty seconds or less. In, as, as Hank Hill, Hill. I, I I just prefer Hank Hill. <clears throat> Let's see here. So. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what, a couple of jackasses going across the entire country, traveling the U.S. of A, 
in search of I don't even know what the hell they're doing. Just a couple of jackasses out trying to trying to get a new television. Dang it, I t- probably just want to play them dang old video games on the television. And they're they're out in Las Vegas. I tell you, if, if you want to go to a den of sin, go to Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> nothing nothing good there. It's a den of sin. Uh-huh. Okay, what? These two jackasses are out running across the desert. I'm pretty sure desert. that's 30 seconds. That's, yeah. No, I'm not I'm not done talking about the jackasses. There are a couple no, of no, jackasses. You, you summed it up. It's a it's a movie about a it's couple, a couple of, jackasses. of jackasses. Right. It's a it's a it's a it's a road really, movie. It's like a road buddy movie. Yeah. Really with just stops along the way here and there. I, it it I tell I tell you what it is in a in a synopsis. It's it's a couple of jackasses um, in an animated Pee Wee Herman movie. The first okay. Pee Wee Herman movie. Yeah. It's a, that's what it is. Like, that's a pretty good way to describe just, it. I like of, that. They, yeah. They're, just when somebody's about to do something, they kind of fall ass backwards accidentally into a hole. It was like, oh, they're going to yeah. get them on this bus. And they're just, they're putzing around in the bathroom laughing at stupid shit in there. And so like, right. oh, they get on the wrong bus. It's like, like oh. the ass is coming. The yeah. poop is coming out of the ass of the ass. <laughs> and, and so it's like every twist and turn when this massive, you know, uh, government agency, when manhunt. all of these people, yeah. should, like this <laughs> massive manhunt, they should be catching them. It's very, I mean, it's very naked gun in that respect where it's like, yeah. you know, it's suppo- there's almost an element where you're supposed to take it serious, but you can't because it's just so ridiculous. Oh, yeah. And so it, it is. It's like they just fall ass backwards into some it other It does bum me out a little bit that Robert Stack went for it so hard with all these anal cavity search lines that he, he, he was so ashamed of this movie. Yeah, he legally attempted to remove his name from any sort of promotional <laughs> materials with involved with this movie. Uh, so that you know that that it's it makes me sad. It's it's kind of like when we were talking about uh, what, what was it that we were talking about? I think it was uh, Billy Madison with yeah. Um, uh, who was the actor who played uh, Eric? Um, um, uh, if you had Bradley Whitford, Bradley Whitford, yeah, that he 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 had never seen the movie, and it wasn't. Um, it, it's it's not necessarily a negative comment, I guess, but it kind of says that he just is like, it's, I get, I totally get what it is you want me to do for this movie, and bang, I nailed it. But I don't. This is not for me. This is not my thing. This is well, not my. It's, it's almost, idea of entertainment. It's almost like you know, it feels like the movie itself is almost judging you for enjoying the movie. Like you, you want to enjoy it. And one of the big names of the movie says, this movie is such a piece of shit. I don't want, I don't want people to know that I was in this movie. Yeah. I'm so embarrassed and so ashamed yeah. of it. And like, there's an extension of that. Like you feel like the guy who made this movie feels so badly about being even associated with this. Yeah. It's like, it feels like it takes away a little of what you would enjoy from it. And that's From what, his that's performance, like. at least, because, I mean, he you would think after, like, the third or fourth cavity search line, he would just say, I'm not doing this. It's like, uh, guys, uh, oh, really? <laughs> is this all I'm doing is just cavity searches? Like, that's, <laughs> that's just, here, I'll record it. Give him a cavity search, and I'm going to go to lunch. Yeah. It's like, yeah, call me like when you got some ATF other dialogue. agent who's kind of like the 
Tommy Lee Jones character from yeah. The Fugitive, kind of like sort of like that, but but in a Robert Sackey voice. Yeah. It, and it he, just, I mean, he gets comedy. I mean, he's, I mean, he's. A, oh yeah, know, for sure. Being in Airplane, it's when I was like, okay, Airplane he gets is, slapstick. Yeah. He gets yeah. stupid funny. So it's not like, oh, I didn't realize he I was gets dry be humor. He yeah, knows what like, that he gets means. It. So it's like for him to come out and say, "This is I don't want to be any like right? I don't want anything to do with this." Like, oh, okay, yeah, well, sorry. It, it what? seems it seems really like hypocritical to to yeah. take the money and and do the whole like line exactly it. the way that I imagine they wanted him to. Yeah, and then and then come out and say like, "Now I'm going to give you all money to not to take my name off of it." Yeah, it's almost like from the onset, it's like, here, I'm going to go undercover, make the movie, and then be like, this is a piece of shit. Don't anybody watch it. And they paid me, and I'm using that money to say, don't watch it. Right. Pretty much. So, Pretty yeah, much. Like the this, money that he earned was spent fighting his involvement with it, which yeah. is sad. I don't like that. <clears throat> um, couple any, of jackasses. I got a couple of tidbits, just just Beavis and Butthead. Like, really, th- this episode was an excuse to talk about Beavis and Butthead. I admit it, because <laughs> I really don't care enough that. about the movie to talk about it in depth like we do other movies. After I watched it, I honestly thought about calling it off. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had a movie loaded up and ready that I really enjoy. But I, as I'd mentioned in the previous episode, I was like... I was going to do Nacho Libre, but I didn't feel like characterizing Nacho as a fool fit our yeah. theme necessarily. But Beavis and Butthead fit very, very well. And I was like, oh, and by the way, I have seen the movie. I own the movie. I'm just, you know, let's, I'll, I'll, I'm going to call an audible like I tend to do. And I went with Beavis and Butthead and I was like, shit, maybe I can call it, like, text Adam and just say, like, no, 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 let's do Nacho <laughs> instead. Because I just don't have a lot of fun things to say about this movie other than the subjects of Beavis and Butthead and Mike Judge, which I feel like I got I, I, I got to say everything I wanted to say about them. Uh, I, that was, <laughs> as I was watching it, I think I hit, uh, I was like, oh, let me see how much is the, I was like, I think I was like 27 minutes into the movie. I was like, oh shit, I thought we were way further along than I, it. It feels, when I was writing, because I, I take my notes beforehand, and I, I saw runtime, 81 minutes. This is like the shortest movie we've ever talked about. And <laughs> Billy Madison is like 90 minutes, I yeah. think, and feels so fast. Yeah. It just, it just blows through. A movie shouldn't have to feel like a grind <laughs> to get through. 81 minutes is crazy short for feature length movie. It, crazy it, it, short. It reminded me of Dude Where's My Car. Oh, just just because <clears throat> when I watched that movie, like when that movie came out, I was working at Blockbuster. And so we got the advanced copies and so I brought it home and I was watching it before it came out in in the in the store. And I was watching it, and it, and it already got, I mean, like, people shit on it because it was like, oh, it's just such a, it's, I, mean, I liked kind of it. I was a Stifler apologist at the time. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was one of those, like, I mean, the same, the, that was the thing. It's like, they were cashing in on Sean William Scott because he had, yeah. I mean, he had bankability in, in yeah. the box office. They don't still call him Stifler for nothing. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, 
it was it was when I was like I was watching it and I think I got I think I was the same kind of thing like I got to the scene where they were in the like ostrich farm or something like they were locked up in an ostrich farm and yeah. in my car and yeah. I was like you know what this is actually pretty funny yeah and I'm saying this to myself as I'm thinking we well, there's like what 10 15 minutes left. I was like I wasn't even halfway done with the movie uh, and I was like oh shit this movie's gonna keep going okay I, and, I very rarely laughed out loud in this movie. <laughs> It, well, it's it's one. I mean, like I think that's the thing is like going back to that point of like they're like in 1996 when this is new and this is at the you know really at the height of its popularity, it makes sense and the jokes hit and it's you know you've got you've got all those little 90s you, you got Robert Stack you got Cloris Leachman so you got yeah you know you, all all of these players and everything going on here kind of has relevance to that time frame and yeah. you take it out of that. And the kind—I mean—the kinds of things that would allow it to transport to another time and still be funny would be if the jokes were really well written, and a handful of them are really funny. Yeah, but there's it's not I mean, all it's, bad. No, it's, it's not, not like, all. Bad. Oh my gosh, I can't believe! Like, uh, shoot! I me. just I wish that they included more of the series characters and yeah. made a movie about all of them. Because yeah. I mean, you do get some of. Uh, principal vickers and yeah. you get you get some of the hippie he sings a song about what is it seagull uh, lesbian uh, seagulls yeah, lesbian seagulls it was so weird which was perfect it I was, was. like that's totally him but i mean there's no Stuart. there's no todd there's no um you know like where where's um where's fucking daria <laughs> yeah she's because she's in one scene but like it, like you have to really be paying attention and know that's Daria. It's not like oh she has a line. It's like no, that's yeah. Um, it, it just I it's we just get this really goofball road comedy with Bruce Willis and Demi Moore and Cloris Leishman and Robert Stack and it's just a chase a chase and it's a it's a case of mistaken uh, not yeah. identity but just a miscommunication like that. There's been a million of those types of movies. Yeah. Oh, there's a big misunderstanding, and our heroes are not bad guys. Although you know, and we know that watching the movie, but the 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 police doesn't know. <laughs> I mean, there's just tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of movies like that. But they make a Beavis and Butthead movie version of that. And I think I think that was like as I'm watching this, and I'm going through the trivia, and I see the I see the comment from because uh, it's in in the IMDb trivia that uh, Roger Ebert gave it three out of four stars yeah. and asked the question, why is this movie so fun? Right. And I'm sitting here like, wait a minute. You gave The Jerk two stars. Yeah, yeah. And you're asking me why this movie is so fun. And it's like, I realize I'm watching it uh, 25 years later. But uh, to ask me the question, why is this movie so fun? I was like, it's not. No. Like it's funny. The show it is, in its heyday was way funnier, and, and it's I like think, they're acknowledging that happening. But at the same time, it's like, well, what what is it then? I mean, are you selling out? I mean, are you are you on Viacom's paycheck or something or payroll? Why would you say these things about this that, movie? Yeah, that that was what that's what seemed, and and I think because when when I was when I was kind of doing you know looking at my behind the scenes stuff it seemed like the big complaint if there was one at the time or especially over time that people had about the movie was the fact that it, it departed so soundly 
from the source material. Like you had Beavis mm-hmm. and Butthead, and you had a couple nods to some of the characters that you yeah. were used to seeing. But the rest of it was really just we took our characters and we dropped them into a storyline that somebody else had already written. Like it's, it's when I was like, I can only imagine that as like <clears throat> the parts that we would look at and say, this feels weird or doesn't work. Those are probably the concessions that Mike Judge had to make to get the movie made. Yeah. To where it's like, I want it animated. I want to do this. I want to do right. that. And like, okay, well then you're going to put, you know, you're going to put these, you're going to put uh, Demi Moore. You're going to, you're going to do something with Demi Moore and Bruce Willis. Yeah. You're just and I was gonna... like, okay, well shit, how do I, how do I work them into this movie? They're not in the right. show. Uh, right. Okay, well, uh, you know, like, well, we've got the, you know. You, you, but it is you funny, know. like, it's telling that you say, like, I didn't even really realize that was Bruce Willis and Demi Moore because they're not playing a typical character that he normally does. Like, he's, he's this yeah. drunken, like, loser who's a very dangerous man and wants to kill his wife. Well, I mean, and, that's not a typical Bruce Willis casting. <laughs> and, and it's it's one of those, is like, you know, uh, not that I'm going to sit here and, and try and, like, yeah, let me break down the plot and see what does and doesn't make sense. It's like, why do you have $20,000 and why do you want me to murder your wife? Yeah. And it's like, it's like okay, and she convinces him to go back across country with this weapon of mass destruction, which kind of brings in the whole ATF plot. Yeah, and then it's like, okay, so these two trailer park dropouts yeah. have a some sort of you know nuclear weapon thing? Yeah, what? <laughs> well, how did they, like where did they get their hands? I was like, ah, oh, we're not going to tell you that. I was like, no, no, okay. no. We, that hand wave. Oh. I was like, just oh, trust us. Trust us. It's they a thing. do. It's a plot. We use a plot <laughs> device. <laughs> and it's like, I, and I think that's why some of. The, I mean, you know, you see those nods. It was like when you have uh, you have Principal Vickers in the in the hotel room, and mm-hmm. you're like, okay, that's that's funny. And then you have Tom. You, you bastards. <laughs> you got you revisit Tom a couple of times and yeah and that's, Tom Tom gets a pretty good sized role in it but he should he, have he, an even bigger role really yeah he gets a couple of callbacks it should backs. be Dennis the Menace but yeah. Beavis and Butthead style like that should be the whole movie <laughs> and like because because I think that's the thing is like when, when I'm thinking about it it's like what would be funnier w- would be like okay if you're following Tom and his wife on their cross country tour and they don't realize that Beavis and Butthead are in the trailer. Yeah. Like, if that's how the movie started, like... Yeah, and they get out, it stops, and then Beavis and Butthead get into trouble. Get into trouble, and so all of this trouble ends up following, you know, Tom and his wife. Right. And it's like... So much better. So much better. It's such a much better idea. And so there's... I think that's the thing, is like, the, the... the plot itself doesn't feel like it's a Beavis and Butthead, like, because you could drop anybody into it. You could take this movie... And put, I mean, because it just it is seems like, like even with the idea they had, there's a much better movie they could have made. Oh yeah, even with the idea of the direction they went, it's just like ah, uh, such a such a whiff, such a miss for me. And you know, like I said, other than like a couple of fun little cameos and a good soundtrack, uh, this is the movie's just kind of a eh for me. I don't, I'm not like saying it's bad. No. But it's not, it's not worthy of this podcast. <laughs> well, it's 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 like the, what I, what I kind I of feel almost kind of bad for rec- like choosing it. And you you <laughs> you've chosen movies where I don't own, and I've gone out and bought them and watched it for the first time. So it's kind of fun that for a change. Yeah, 
you're watching something for the first time. I just assumed you had some sort of fandom for it. Like with your, with your age. I mean, it, it makes sense now when you explain it that way, <laughs> but break it down. Yeah. Break it down a little bit. So, but it's, I, well, I have, I have fun nostalgia for Beavis and Butthead. I know that they're planning to do a movie for Paramount plus, which is a good move. I, I like that. What, what I think, what I think they could do and what hopefully is the case because it it just it feels like you know with this movie, it it feels like one of those things like Mike Judge could never really come out and just shit on this movie because it's no. it's his baby. And yeah. It's like even even if the studio had you know uh, if it was fifty fifty or if they you know he had to make concessions on stuff. It's like th- there's just there's such this fact that like he got his he got his movie made. He did. And so it's one of those things like you never And he didn't never, have to include Danny Glover and Mel Kiss. Yeah. And you're and it's one of those things like you're never just going to you're never going to shit on it. You're never going to be like, "No, no, no. We wanted to make a way better movie, but the studio fought us on this and they did like I, there's not there's not going to be a behind the scenes of how shitty it ended up being. I feel like it could be a successful movie in in a I don't know, in terms of like what is successful streaming like I still don't really understand it like I guess they base yeah. it off subscriptions or whatever like subscription re- like renewals or ads during the time of a movie I, I suppose I suppose that's how they gauge I don't it. yeah I don't I don't get uh, it. I don't, I don't but understand how they he the good thing about the Beavis and Butthead is just uh, something you could bring back is he always seems game to be Beavis and Butthead yeah. Like any time, like he's done Beavis and Butthead cameos for so many things for years. He's he just he's still game to do them, and uh, I like I like that you know maybe now with streaming and there being a lot of space out there, people aren't paying as much attention to Beavis and Butthead. It's not as big as a deal as it used to be. Now he has like ninety percent control probably like yeah. whereas a 50 50 now he can just really make a movie that makes sense for him and uh we we may actually get a good beavis and butthead movie that i will enjoy a lot more i hope i i think because the the kind of comedy is i mean it it does transcend you know time for like you can have you can have these guys i mean like they're making a jackass four yeah. Right now, I mean, they've been working on Jackass Four. And, and like, people love just watching a couple of dumb people doing stuff yeah. like that. That will always transcend. I mean, like Laurel and Hardy. I mean, hello, yeah, it goes forever and ever. It's it's yeah, it is. It's just I mean, like these guys are really no different than the Stooges. Mm-hmm. Like the same kind of funny applies just in a, a slightly you skew it a little bit different. And so the thing is, yeah, I think to especially your point, if Mike Judge gets to come out and control the majority, if not the entirety of a Beavis and Butthead project at this point, mm-hmm. I think especially, I mean, and, uh, you know, think about, I mean, he, he's had another 25 years in the industry. Yeah. You know, it, like there's, there's stuff that he can, I mean, that he can play off of. There's jokes that he can write. There's, you know, if it's, if it's a, if it's like a really a passion project of his and they allow him to do it, um, then yeah, I think, I think you would get something in 2021 that would work even better than this. It wouldn't be for everybody, but it would. Yeah. Def- I'm hoping it will at least appeal to those original fans. Yeah, who will take it for what it's intended to be and not get butthurt about it. Yeah, uh, just just allow yourself to 
I mean, I, I love. I just loved how David Letterman would kind of put it. He's just, he's just something very refreshing about watching a couple of dumbasses. A just, couple of jackasses. Yeah, it's, it's, it feels really good to watch this. As long as you know that you're not really hurting anybody and everybody's in on it, it's just fun. So well, that's the lasting appeal of Beavis and Butthead. There's, there's, there's parts of it. Like there's parts of it you can relate, you, like you have a relatability to certain parts of the content, and then it pushes the envelope and other things. Like that's like when you think about like video game culture, it's like, you know, the the idea of I mean, like I remember when Grand Theft Auto when the when Grand Theft Auto three came out and everybody was freaking out. Oh, and it's like all of a sudden it's like all of the illegal things that it was like I want to steal cars and I want to shoot gangsters and you know all all the things like this is horrible behavior. It's like this is the only venue that I can do it because it's make believe. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to go out. I don't really want to go out and do these things. Yeah. It's just you create an environment where I can do it, and it's fun. And now I can safely, without hurting anybody, do it. Yeah. <laughs> In and so the like, privacy of my home. You're like, okay, none of us are going to go out there and start pitching around bullfrogs and smacking them with bats because we're not sociopaths. Yeah, we're not crazy people. <laughs> but when A crazy you person it, will just do that. Yeah, they don't need it? to get permit. Yeah. Oh, okay. they did it in a cartoon. Well, I guess I'll do it. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> no, you were gonna do that anyway. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Let's let's just let's clear a few things up here. You were on the way to that event. <laughs> yes. It wasn't like, oh, the this movie inspired. You were me. looking no, for no, no, a no, no, sign, no. and you got it. <laughs> it's like you were like, hey guys, I already got this on the calendar. It just so happens they also did it in this cartoon everyone's talking about. Yeah. It's like, yeah, uh, that, that'll, that'll get them riled validate up. validate your behavior here. My last tidbit is, and I I saw this in the, the trivia, I think, from IMDb, and I don't know if it's true. I can't necessarily confirm this to be true because it seemed it, it was such a cool thing, and um, I wanted it to be true. But apparently on the DVD commentary, Mike Judge said that the – opening lick the guitar lick from the beavis and butthead show you know the theme song is the acdc song gone shooting but played backwards oh yeah i read that too yeah and they featured gone shooting in the movie so i'm thinking well if he said that in a commentary and now in 1978 i mean you know beavis and butthead were metal fans old school metal fans you know like they wore metallica and, uh, and ACDC. ACDC, right? So, like, it makes total sense. To, but I, I always assumed that was a made-for-this-movie ACDC song. I always thought that. I don't know why, because I don't, I don't think there was an actual soundtrack for this movie. There, there may have been, but I don't remember it. And soundtracks were everything in the nineties. Oh yeah, for movies. So there was that Beavis and Butthead Experience disc. I had that with the uh, share and. You know, with just you know, like Run DMs, like there's, there's just they're collaborating with artists, and and even when they're not really collaborating in the with them, you know, like there's it's that thing you did where you, there's a B side track to a, a popular album, and they just you know put it on the, a, a, a sort of soundtrack. There's a Nirvana song that I liked that was in that soundtrack. No, well, it's not really a soundtrack. It was just like a CD they put together. So if there is a Beavis and Do America soundtrack, I mean, there has to be, right? Because of all the songs that are in the movie. Um, you would assume. But I, I just can't. I, I bought so many CDs in that time period. So many. 
and I can picture the artwork for almost all of these CDs kind of like instantaneously, just like, like the day I bought them and looked at them is for the first time, like just, you know, like when you'd buy an album and you just sit and look at the CD case or the tape case, you just sit and look at it while you're listening to it for the first time. So, you know, I had all those and I just don't remember owning it. And I just can't believe I wouldn't because I liked the soundtrack in the movie and I bought everything. So anyway, I thought that was an interesting one. I'm on eBay right now and it looks like Beavis and Butthead, Do America, original motion picture soundtrack, CD factory sealed. Okay. So there you go. Like... And I, I'm a, all of those songs have like the Rob Zombie song, I guess, and the Gone Shooting, and um, you know everything has to be on there. No, but not that there were a whole lot of songs. <laughs> oh, but the 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 I, I really like the um, '70s style. Uh, uh oh gosh what's his name chef the guy who voiced chef uh, isaac hayes isaac hayes yes i love the beavis and butthead 70s styles like intro yeah that is the best part of the movie to me isaac hayes two cool guys theme for beavis and butthead oh i love everything about that intro where they're yeah. they're paying homage to like the starsky and hutches of of that of that period of time red so, hot chili so peppers, fucking awesome love roller coaster <laughs> you got ll cool j ain't nobody Oh yeah, I remember that song too. Ain't White nobody. Zombie. Yeah, I remember. Yes. Yeah, I probably had that soundtrack. Oh, I this. I'm glad you brought up the soundtrack because the one thing that I thought of, I did, I didn't write it down, but uh, it stuck with me was when uh, Rancid with Stubborn All Stars. I want to riot. I was sitting here. I was like, is there ska music in this movie? <laughs> I was like, there's ska music in this. Wow. This is like we've. I've not listened to ska music and I don't know how long. I mean, if you're doing 90s bingo, ska music is probably one of those things you might get. Like, yeah. You know, it, was ska, a thing. it was a big ska, thing. Ska was popular for like Real four Big and a half Fish, uh, Smash Mouth, The Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. The Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. They were, they were like the Squirrel Nut Zippers. Yes. <laughs> like, they, oh. The Mighty Mighty Boss Tones were kind of like the, the most front facing ska band. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. They were. They, they had one song that everybody knew and the impression was, that I get. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was uh, like, by the, by the time the song was over, you're like, I don't ever want to listen to that song. Again. <laughs> it was like, it was f- like for the first two and a half no, minutes, everybody like, yeah, enjoyed really it. Everybody enjoyed the crap out of it. It once together for the first time. And then we yeah. all decided it sucked and never wanted to hear it again. <laughs> I loved, they had a guy in the band, a little guy, Oh, the dancing um, guy? Was, the dancing guy. <laughs> I always just love that. It's like, this is a guy that's in this band. That's what he gets paid he to do, man. He just does he doesn't this, play this an instrument. Dance. He just dances. Like, this is like, you got the main guy that's singing that's got this weird, crazy, gravelly voice. Yeah. It makes and the craziest got, faces. Oh, my God. I was like, this guy at any minute, he's going to stroke out. And it is just going to be fantastic. Yes. He did have a look. That, oh, there's the stroke. Oh, no. There's oh, the he's stroke. on the floor. Yep. There he goes. <laughs> Oh, um, shit. And then everybody else is playing an instrument, and then you just have this little guy who's like, uh, hey, Todd, we want you to dance. Hey, can you just do the running man for yeah, like two hours straight? Here. We're going to put you in a little suit, <laughs> get you a little hat. Yes. You're going to be a Boston. You're going to be a Boston. Who was the guy that Kid Rock had? Who was that weird little dude that he had? Oh, Joe. Joe uh, oh, was it yeah. Joe C or something? Like yeah. That? I don't know. It was like for a minute that was a thing. It was yeah. like just this little devil without a cause. I'm going platinum. 
Get your little guy that's just going to hang out and <laughs> He's do a little nothing. guy. Just get your little guy. Yeah. If you want to if you want to make the it mini out there. me fame, I guess. Yeah. It's like, "Oh, uh, we got to have a little guy now?" It's like, "Oh, wait, we we can have a little guy?" Oh shit. We got like four guys we've been waiting to bring out here. Oh, man. They're all living little. our best life. Where are you, Emmanuel San- uh Lewis? Yeah. <laughs> Where are you? Get, get him out here. Get him. He's still get he's Webster still around. He's still around. Maybe little guys could come back. Oh, I would man. love that. I would. I'd love a band of just little guys, <laughs> with one, led by with one led by Webster. tall guy who dances. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, the just get, they're like the they mighty, all mighty sing Boss and play instruments, and they're just like a real like get like uh, Sean Bradley uh, from the <laughs> Sean Bradley. and just he, he's just like this really super awkward dancing. Like, oh my gosh, that guy is so Ugh. weird, but he's dancing to Webster's music. Can they make a zoot suit in his size? Oh my gosh, I, that would, uh, I would. I would go to. I would go. That's to like all the fabric band. in the world, right? Yeah, I mean, like you're gonna be like, oh man, we don't. We ran out of neon. I hate. Fabric. I hate to bring this up, but he was paralyzed recently in a car accident. Well, that puts the kibosh <laughs> on that. Nobody wants to see a I'm wheelchair up kidding. on stage. I'm not even kidding. I wish I were. I'm going to find not. somebody else to do the dance. Thanks <laughs> I'm a lot. Dikembe. How about Dikembe? Dikembe Matumbo. Yeah. I would love if Manute Bull was still around. Uh, he's him dead, too. I hate to tell he's you. totally dead. <laughs> he's, been, he's really he's, dead. He's his, his, well, his son, I mean, Bull, Sean Bradley's not dead. I shouldn't say he's dead, too. Sean Bradley's very much alive. Yeah. Is, Sean Bradley's still He's, he's just having around. a tough. He's having a tough time right now. He's like, oh, he just. He was a really good player. He was a really good player. I had a solid plan there, and he just shit all over it. Thanks for watching, Bradley. With his wow. car accident, crazy. Yeah. All right. Well, um, that that's all I've got to, to say. All I want to talk about as far as Beavis and Butthead to America, and more more importantly, just an opportunity to talk about the joy of Beavis and Butthead, the the fandom. The phenomenon. The phenomenon, dude. It was just a great time. And um, it, it just bums me out a little bit that the movie wasn't better. It, that it, it, did, it, it didn't, didn't stand the test it, of time It wasn't well. like, yeah, it didn't leave that legacy that, yeah. you know, like South Park finally got a movie and they killed it. And yeah. the Simpsons movie was really fun, actually. For yeah. It's all its lateness. It was actually really fun. Um, but they got their shot and kind of whiffed, even though these critics are propping it up and it was a, a box office. Hit. Yeah. It was a financial. It, it's really weird how that shit happens. <laughs> like, it, I don't it understand kind of, it. Like, it's kind of like when you think about all of the mechanics that worked for it, you kind of want to be like, well, why wasn't there a sequel? I mean, they made there a was shit gonna ton of be, money. Yeah. They just, there was going to be, but, uh, for, I, I guess there was just maybe some creative differences, you know? I, or, that, yeah. or I think what also I heard was like he stopped doing the show because he just physically couldn't keep up with the demand anymore. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, and I, he just turned his attention towards King of the Hill. King of the Hill, where I think he became really just sort of a hands-off producer after a, enough time. Like he, he did the voices, obviously, but he, he yeah. wasn't controlling every aspect of the show. I don't think after a certain and, period of well, time. Well, yeah, he had. Uh, there were a lot of other really. I mean, he had Johnny Hardwick and Toby Huss, and um, he had a lot of other really capable guys that mm-hmm. were, that knew the industry, um, even if they weren't well known names. It was like guys that could handle some of the same uh, burden pretty easily. 
Yeah, and the fact that he came back with, you know, Silicon Valley, like, he still has his finger on the pulse. Yeah. That's impressive. I mean, the South Park guys definitely, definitely still do. Like, I don't, it's yeah. like, it's incredible how they've stayed relevant for so long. I mean, they, it really says something about them. I mean, they honestly. got, yeah, they, they got really lucky in so much that like, cause nobody else can do what they can do. And in the fact mm-hmm. that, um, especially when you think about animation and you think about what all of these, what everybody's doing, it's, I mean, like with the Simpsons, it's like anytime any of those are even remotely relevant to something that's happening is really mm-hmm. just kind of like lightning striking because they have to, I mean, they have to make them so far in yeah, advance. Yeah, it takes like a year to make an episode yeah. of The Simpsons. So you're right. So, we, you know, to try and be Everything topical, feels a little bit dated. <laughs> yeah. So it's like to try and be topical or try and it's like you're, you're kind of, you know, you write the jokes and you do the animation, you record it, and you go through the whole rigmarole of getting an episode made and you're kind of hoping when it airs that whatever the, the joke was, that it still hits because I mean, like you know, it, I can never think of a time where it didn't. They they just they have incredible instincts and intuition well, for things. Like part that. part of that, I mean, like because you know, anecdotally with the Simpsons, you know, you you have that whole trope now where the the thing is like the Simpsons called all of these things in. It was like, oh, Simpsons did this, and then no, yeah, the South Park down. Simpsons did it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, I mean, the Simpsons were, you know, that was that's kind of their gimmick is like so many things came true of things that yeah. they did, and then oh my goodness, yeah, and then w- with Family Guy and its prowess, you know, South Park pulled the curtain back on that, but for the long, I mean, <laughs> no, they like, sure did. <laughs> but I mean, a I, good I still part, loved it, but I, I oh, yeah. rather enjoyed. There. I enjoyed it before the curtain was <laughs> more before the curtain was pulled back. Yeah. But even still, like the I think because I appreciate so many of the pop culture references that Seth and McFarlane yes. makes, yes. that still makes it fun to watch his stuff. Do you ever see the South Park episode with the Memberries, I think is what they were? Uh yes. That sums you, up. You can actually ask me. Have, did you see the episode of South Park where? And I can say yes. Yeah. I okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember Member, every single one of them. Remember, like that. Yes. I love that whole oh, premise yes. of the episode. <laughs> but South so Park. Funny. So I mean, because South Park. I mean, like it, it is. There's so many of these. Uh, like because I've I've been watching some of the Simpsons lately, and it is. I mean, it's just it's just kind of it's it's a little bit bland. I mean, it's yeah, it's still fun. Fair. It's still enjoyable. Yeah, but it's when I was like. And I think one of the things that the Simpsons really had that was a hallmark of it was, I mean, I just remember as a kid, like, you know, you had TGIF on Friday, and that was a huge thing. I mean, like, everybody was doing TGIF. For sure. Um, As much as I love Beavis and Butthead, I definitely love me some TGIF, too. Yeah. And I mean, like, I wanted to laugh at like people doing dumb shit, but I also wanted to have that wholesome kind of. And and that was, I mean, Because that, I mean, that was a lot of what we were getting in primetime, and that was where Beavis and Butthead and shows like that were kind of that pressure release where it's like, we get so much good, wholesome stuff all the time right. that this is where it's like, okay, this is a little bit out of bounds. And so it's a little naughty Beavis now. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, TGIF was, I mean, everybody watched it and it, because everybody's going to be talking about it on Monday. It was like, you're going to be, Yeah, you know, TGIF was like the beaver, and Beavis oh, yeah. and Butthead was like Eddie Haskell like yeah. coming over. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. and then, I mean, when I was a kid on Saturday, you know, Saturday nights, we had SNCC, you know, that was, that was the thing for a while. Oh yeah. Saturday night. Clarissa TV was, and yeah. 
Beavis uh, and Butthead. The Secret or, World of Alex Mack. Or no, Ren and Stimpy, I mean. Ren and Stimpy, yeah. Are You Friend of the Dark, yep. Round Roundhouse, which no one really remembers. All that. <laughs> yeah, all that. Um, it's a, it's really, I was out of it by then, but yeah. I was right. I was there at the very, very beginning. And so, and then Saturday night, you had, I mean, especially as you got older, you had S- SNL. But then yeah. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday nights, I remember it's like you had um, America's Funniest Home Videos with Bob Saget yeah. and The Simpsons. Yeah. Those are the two things you had. And then it was like the reality that the weekend was over was there. Like when, when, you know, Obladi Oblada for Life Goes On comes on, you're like, <laughs> oh shit, the weekend's over. Uh, <laughs> it's the it's like, sound oh, of your corky. weekend dying. <laughs> here's Corky. The weekend's over, guys. I saw somebody posted a picture of, uh, or like a, a, a gif of MASH. And I like comment. I was like, this is the sound of my bedtime. Oh, <laughs> like when MASH came on, I knew it was, there was nothing else coming on and it was totally bedtime. Yeah. You know, Suicide cheer, is painless. Cheers, it was like, it was, I remember it so well. I would lay in bed and watch Cheers. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I'm having a good time watching Cheers. And then you get that. You get that helicopter come around. Yeah. Come around the, the mountain. Boom, boom, like, boom, oh. boom, 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 boom. <laughs> so, so somber and just well, makes the, me it's, sleepy. The name of the song is Suicide is Painless. Yeah, you're right. That's true. I was I like, it was Suicide, suicide is Painless? <laughs> How is that the theme song for anything? I don't know. Oh, and I like Mash a redo. lot. I really came to appreciate it when I was. I still mm. haven't. Mash is one of those like. Um, I don't oh, know it's it's really good. Poetry. It's good. Uh, Laura actually believe she she was the person who got me watching like Mash reruns because uh, she like loved watching them with her her dad. And so uh, you know, like we'd watch them later, and I was like, this is actually pretty good. <laughs> it's a pretty. I good can show. tell you. I can tell you a bit of MASH trivia. The character Radar is from the same town where I was born. So, Oh, in um, Iowa. Yep. Ottumwa, Iowa is where Radar yeah. is from, and that's where there I was you born. Go. There you go. Yeah. I, I, I found that out on uh, the I the tell you that Radar I... was one of the characters that I found most annoying on the show. <laughs> See, there, I, I, I would find the whole show. <laughs> I, I like I the was... Jamie Farr character way better, the one who was always trying to get a Section 12 or whatever the hell for being nuts. Oh, the, like dressed up weird and yeah, stuff. Well, yeah, well, he always wore a dress, which, you know, back then was crazy. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, he, he would also just get into, like, some just nutty. He was just, he was doing everything he could to, to be crazy and get sent back home. And he was from some town in Cleveland. He always talked about the Cleveland Mudheads, like, in the show. Yes, I was I was made aware of this on the day that I adopted uh, my, my two children because the lawyer said, hey, I realized you're from Ottumwa, Iowa. That's where Radar uh, from MASH is from. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. And she said, I'll bet you get that all the time. And I said w- that people are making a, a Radar from MASH reference to my birthplace because, <laughs> because so many people are just – because I yeah. wear a shirt that says I was born in Ottumwa, Iowa mm-hmm. every day of my life so that people would know no, no. that. This like, is the hey. first time it's ever come up, like, and yeah, I'm relatively certain it'll never come up again. Only time. This we're not. This crossroads will never happen again. He was so proud of himself, though. I hope like, you oh. at least let him bask in that revelation. Oh, I did. I was like, okay, oh, you, good. Hey, you're cool. a good man. Cool. You're, no, you're, yeah, a, you're not a mean-spirited person. I wasn't going to shit on it, but I was sitting there thinking, like, really? I get this all the time? No. When would I ever get this? 
you are has not, this information you at the ready? You would not win many bets if that is your idea of oh. a sure bet. If, yeah, when you put some money on it, we'll yeah. see how it oh, turns yes, out. Oh, yes, let's. All right, well, that wraps up our full month of April movies with uh, Fools movies. Fools and movies we love. I don't know. Whatever the hell. That's our <laughs> <It's>, fools. <laughs> those are our fools. Dems the fools, folks. Dems the fools. Uh, in May, I think we don't have concrete plans for an episode, so we're not going to tease. We don't have a tease. It's going to be a mystery. Episode. Yeah, it's going to be a mystery. What happens next, you don't know. I definitely have something in, my, in mind for June that I feel very strongly about. But for May, you know, I would like to do some shows, but we, we may just do like a anything goes. Like, let's just pick a couple movies and talk grab about Grab bag. A grab bag in May. Maybe that's what we'll do. We will grab bag May. You folks should be on the lookout for it anyway. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> that's going to draw us to a close, sir. Thank, thank you for, for indulging this. Uh, request of mine to talk about Beavis and Butthead and specifically the 1996 Beavis and Butthead do America you you got to see it for the first time yes. you're welcome thank you yeah no problem and for myself the rental king I've been Ron Avis and I've been Adam Peterson and we'll see you next time <laughs> <laughs>